The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to the another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me, well, excuse me, for the time being, you can find me at those places on Twitter uh, and CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And uh, the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One, Agent underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter, at least for now, and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings. Hello, Brooklyn! Indeed. And you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. And you can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Please make sure to hit like and subscribe and to leave all the best five-star reviews. Thank you. Indeed. Indeed. Um, you can also find us recording every Thursday night, nine, most Thursday nights, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. Uh, that's T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, please hit like, subscribe, hit the notification button so that you know when we're on and leave us all the great reviews. Please. Yeah, and uh, and shout out to the folks that are uh, watching and are looking live. Uh, what's up, uh, Benji Games 2? Good to see you. What's up? And anybody else maybe lurking, lurking around uh, on YouTube or, or Twitch? Thanks for joining. Yeah. You know what? You just reminded me. I need to. Uh, did you watch that? Um, the Halloween? No. No, I haven't seen anything Simpsons in a while. Yeah, no. Same here. Uh, uh, I also I won't get the uh, I won't get the reference because I really have not watched Death Note. I've only watched mm. a, uh, like a small chunk of it. And then I put it down and never went back to it. Like I'm talking about like many moons ago, like probably 13, 14 years ago. Right. So I suspect it's probably they they probably only did just enough to be like, hey, guess what? You you, you know what this is? You know, like right. what, you know, whatever that was in the trailer is probably the most of it. All right. I don't know. Well, but then again, I don't know who who's who's say. Yeah, since yet. neither of us have watched it, we can't really attest to it. So. Yeah. Plus, it's been weeks since Halloween, so it doesn't really matter either way. But folks, um, we're, yeah, we got another holiday up, up, upon us, which I right. guess we're going to have some. We'll have some news. Well, no, we'll go ahead and say that right now. But there's some news that would have um, triggered us saying something about it. Next week is uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S. And we will not be recording live on Thursday night because of that. Right. So we will be in touch. Please, if Twitter is still around, 
check our Twitter accounts. If not, double check against our Instagram accounts and see when our next show will be uh, live on YouTube and Twitch. And, uh, you know, look and, and, and be on the lookout for an audio recording coming out probably the following, like early the following week or maybe as early as the weekend. So, but thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening and watching. And with that out of the way, we can go ahead and get into the uh, the first bit of uh, first bit of the show, which is, uh, as we have been doing the last uh, month or so, um, spoiler light slash free recap of Andor, Star Wars Andor. And this is the penultimate um, episode titled The uh, Daughters of uh, Ferrix. Right. So this is the penultimate episode of the what we now know is the first season of Andor. Mm-hmm. So I am going to ring the spoiler bell just for anyone that wants to avoid anything that might even resemble a spoiler. So here we go. Light, light, mild spoilers for Andor season one, episode 11 in three, two, one. Incoming. And what is was indeed incoming from this issue from this episode was um, a few a few somber moments, a couple of somber moments. Yeah, more than a few, more than a few, because we literally take up right where we left off at the end of the last episode, where we, you know, uh, and and this and 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 as I said, the the spoilers that are here. You know, basically involve not just episode eleven, but also you know most of the series, most of the series so far to this point. And if you don't know that Andor has found himself on the run again as a fugitive after having broken out of prison, then you know that's a spoiler for you. But that's where we are at the beginning of this episode, and um, there is some hijinks to be had while he's trying to escape the planet. On uh, on which the prison was located. Yes, yes, yes. As we were talking before the show, the, um, there's there seems to be some potential corporate synergy going on with uh, with the um, with what happened with uh, with uh, I want to call him Anakin, Cassian, and Melshi, right? Uh, who had uh, who we know to have escaped from the prison last uh, episode. Right. But we don't know the whereabouts of anybody else, including um, including Andy Serkis' character, who's probably still on the thing. Well, we don't know. My understanding is that he was pushed off, but we, you know, like it was incomplete. If I recall, if I if I look back at it again, I don't remember uh, uh, watching it twice. I just I don't recall him staying on. I think he might have gotten pushed off as part of like the human wave of people that was coming off trying to escape. I mean that's possible, but um, we know Andor definitely got pushed off. Right. We know Cass got definitely got pushed off, but now as far as I remember, he was still on there, you know, when it when it cut away and everybody was swimming. So yeah, I mean, good, very could have happened. Which man, that's, that's a bad way to go. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think it's implied, but at the end of the day, we, nobody doesn't mean you know mean, means a lot when it comes to this uh, type of storytelling. So, but at the end of the day, what we know is. Um, Andor, Cassian Andor, does make his way off this planet um, by playing to some sympathetic ears. And, you know, the characters who don't initially act sympathetically 
to former prisoners of the Empire but end up doing so and uh, Andor in one of the, the weirder plot points ends up making his way to a stash of personal items that I was very surprised were still there. I was too and I was actually surprised outside of remembering that that was there. I was like, why would you go back there that's how you got into this into this into this predicament in the first place but then i was i forgot about that stash you had right so i was like oh right but at the same time why were you there so long <laughs> right have been like get up get the get, you know you still right. had that yeah, well I like, guess. was it a hotel room or i'm assuming it was an apartment because you know there's no way that would still be there if it was a hotel room it would have been cleaned out so i've seen one video say it was a hotel room uh, I'm also presuming it's an apartment, but if that's the case, and somebody, somebody, um, the, those people that were already that were in there took their place over relatively quick. Now, granted, he's been in there for a while, so I mean, it's not you know, I mean, he's been in the the prison for so long. Right, he's been uh, locked up for a while. That's a little bit longer than a regular vacation stay. But then this is Star Wars, so we don't know how long a regular vacation stay is. So I assumed it was an apartment. Um, right, but uh, but ultimately. You know, we get uh, from that point and we find out what else has been happening on Ferrix. And, you know, there's some sad news to report on the Ferrix front. Um, I have a lot of sympathy for – and it's funny that the, the, the new droid's name is B2Emo, like literally Emo. That's kind of what I, I dislike because it was like, okay, that's a little on the nose because you, yeah. you, you know – but um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we also kind of get the um, uh, an update on a few other characters, including man, Bix looks in bad shape. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She got she. You know, talk about working somebody over without actually touching them. They, they, yeah, they they did a number on her. So, which I get. We also got some news on that. Another thing about it, uh, which I probably should. Put get out of the way now, but we'll finish the discussion first. Um, outside of that, yeah, we get a, a, some updates from uh, a few other characters. Um, um, you know, some, some folks on the, the folks on Coruscant. We even get a, a returning character from uh, uh, one of the first couple of issue, a couple of episodes, and I guess in a not surprising turn, another uh, go around with Sagarera. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. You know, and, uh, another scene with still in Star- Star's Guard and Fars Whitaker just just gnawing on the scene. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I, I'm I'm always happy to see Forrest Whitaker as he you know continues to you know enjoy his role in Star Wars. Lies, deceptions. Very happy to see him get you know uh, get some uh, some more play as Saw Gerrera. Right, and also I'm just going to go ahead and say it here again. Hashtag Stila deserves better. <laughs> she did. She did. You know what? There's also a there's also a starfighter fight in this, oh. which is yeah. really really well done. It's something where it's not what we expect in anything and or related it's not right but it was a very nice addition it was kind of a you know i read a couple of uh headlines where 
it was kind of like a bone that they threw to, you know, Star Wars fans like, hey, here's a Starfighter fight. Right. Like, here's some Star Wars for you, mm-hmm. you know, to, to kind of check the mock that box off. And yeah, I've seen that also, which, you know what? Hey, I ain't mad at it. <laughs> no, I but it was well done. I really liked it. Like, it was yeah. really, yeah, no, right. it was really well done. There's a particular maneuver there. One was the anti-tractor beam maneuver and two was the, uh, the anti-aircraft maneuver where it was almost like, oh, so someone was paying attention to Darth Maul here. Yeah, basically. You know? <laughs> basically. I'm like, hey, who knew dude uh, had those kind of skills? But that, uh, I, yeah, which actually, like I was about to say, um, made me want to look up, which I've been meaning to do, look up the the um, the, the model of his ship. Mm-hmm. Because I know they call it like a trait, um, a hauler or something like that, but obviously he, he's, it's been modified. Uh, and that was noticed um, uh, episodes ago, but I'm like, wait, what is this like actually originally? Because it feels like something. It felt like something that was imperial in nature, but I'm not entirely sure. Like you know, because obviously you know, this is after the time of um, the, the 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 Clone Wars and whatnot, so and stuff kind of got moved around and right and using being used for other places. So it's not outside of realm of possibilities that he could have. And Luthen's a collector. So it's not outside of realm of possibilities. He could have, you know, he couldn't have gotten his hands on some, you know, some, uh, uh some, some Imperial tech. Or Republic. Uh, you mean Republic tech? Republic tech. Excuse me. Yes, 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 yes. So, but nevertheless, that was a great part. And like, and outside of the, the whole, uh, other Samba parts of, uh, the show that we got still a great show. That's, yeah. No, you know, listen, at the end of the day, my understanding is that Tony Gilroy wrote this episode and probably wrote the final episode. So, you know, he is tying together all the the storylines that he can at this point in order to set up season two. So this this season of Andor has to be one of the the more tightly plotted uh Disney plus offerings, you know, ever, you know, I'm talking about across, across all of the different IP property, I, you know, the intellectual properties that, uh, that, that are on Disney plus streaming right now. I think Andor is probably the most tightly scripted of all of them. I'd agree with that. So um, I have to give Tony Gilroy a lot of credit for that. And I'm sure, yeah, and I'm sure this is going to do, uh, continue to do big things for him. <laughs> this is going forward. I, I, I'm fairly certain. I think I agree. Yeah. So, um, that being said, I'm not sure what else to say about this without going into anything spoiler. No, so. I think that's it. I think that's it. You know, at the end of the day, like you said, the last episode is next week, the day before Thanksgiving. So you won't have uh, us to listen to. You won't have to listen to us give spoiler light. It'll probably be a little bit more spoiler filled by the time you listen to us talk about the season finale of Andor next week. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Depending on when we do it. Exactly. Yeah. Because if we come out, if we come and record on Friday, it'll probably, it will probably be still on the lighter side in terms of spoilers. But if we record on Saturday, we'll probably be, you know, looking at the season as a whole and, you know, where our characters find themselves at the end of uh, one season of Andor. Yeah. So, um, I guess... 
Well, we'll get to that later. I was about to say, speaking speaking of uh, uh, spurtering things, um, yeah, the 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 the, the statute of, of limitations is pretty much up for uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever. So, <laughs> what do you mean? Just the case. Well, I mean, usually a week out, look, people. Are really I like, mean, All right, I mean, well, I, I, I guess for I guess for I guess we were trying to observe more of that more than that for Endgame. I think Endgame, because of you know some of the things that happened, I think we tried to observe two weeks. Yeah, for that. But normally we've we've kind of stuck to about a week for stuff. I'm not I'm not saying that there's anything. There's probably some news that might get into that territory. That's probably going to get into that territory uh, uh, tonight. But nothing, you know. Just the same. Just in case, if anything does happen to get, <laughs> it, you'll know that we, that is the rule we have observed. Just in case you're new to the show. So that being said, um, but all right now we can go ahead and get into the books of the week. All righty, let me pull up a transition. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, and we are going to start off with um, a big book of the week, actually. Yes. Um, Iron Man number 25, Iron- a.k.a. Legacy number 650. 650. Yes, thank you for adding that. So Iron Man number 25, also known as number 650 in the legacy numbering, was written by is written by Christopher Cantwell, with art by Angel Anzueta, colors are by Frank D'Armada, and letters are by VC's Joe Caramagna. Specifically, I am speaking of the main story in the, in the book. There are a few backup stories involved as well. Um, I don't have the credits here for, in, on my sheet. Do you have, do you have them on yours? Yes. Okay. Allow me a moment. So the backup stories, the first one is written by Muriwa Ayodele with art by Dotun Akande. The third one is written by Kurt Busiek and has art by Benjamin Dewey. The fourth one is a really short introduction to the upcoming run by Jerry Duggan. It is, of course, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Juan Frigeri. Um, colors are by Brian Valenza. And uh, apparently, our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna, lettered everything. So I will say I'll I'll start off with the main story. The main story is basically a nice little bow on the end of Cantwell's run. He basically uh observes that uh Iron Man doesn't necessarily see himself as being the most popular character yet finds himself being honored uh, with a, 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 a particular day in New York City. And we kind of get uh, a little bit of closure is not the right word. I want to say an update basically on the status of all of the characters and all of the plot point, uh, all of the plot lines that have run through the 25 issues of Cantwell's Iron Man run. You know, everyone from Patsy Walker to the recent um, – the recent was it uh, sor- for uh, source the source 
Uh, source Control. Source Control. Thank you. I wanted to say Source Forge, but I think that's an actual software company. Uh, source Control. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah. Right. Source Control. Uh, you know, this is it was kind of a a, a version of Cantwell's. Uh, it was Cantwell's version of Armor Wars. Uh, that basically brought up some some old characters as well as some old weapons that Iron Man had not encountered in quite a while, and um, it was much more of a down to earth, as it were, story. And I was very surprised to see that the Iron Man armor lacked some capabilities that I thought it already had naturally. And usually they will have, you know, even if it didn't, they would have ginned it up for the story. People you know, classically would have ginned it up for the story anyway. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, no, this has got this. We just didn't, you know, you just didn't know about it. <laughs> right. So I was surprised. I was just like, oh, I mean, so, you know, he says that it has basic technology for this particular, um, uh, for this particular use. But I really, right. I really, I really thought there would be something more advanced. Right. Because I I recall him when he uh, when he had the when the Mark II he would the power pads that he used to take off to his sides you you could just pretty much use for pretty much anything right probably including that right so but yeah it was a you know it was a uh, interesting use and it was actually kind of a basic story like yeah the, the whole Iron Man Day thing aside it was just like no it was just kind of him monologuing through the whole thing but also while going through the day and you know getting into stuff uh or getting into a situation which i guess it doesn't really matter what was behind it mm-hmm. you know but or i guess it, it was it's irrelevant of what was behind it and and that it, it uh kind of came across it and it you know dealt with it and you know Kind of went on, uh, went on about his business, right? Uh, as of what happened from it, but you know that's that's pretty much long and short of that part. So because I thought, because I, I was like, kept thinking to myself as he was going through that whole, whole thing, I was like, okay, there's something else to this. There's got to be something else to this. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know if you want to just introduce something for his last story just like that. But you know, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, right. Right, I got a I got a kick out of you know noticing one thing. I was like, wait, there is no ER in New York City that empty <laughs> that Iron Man is able to sit in the waiting area by himself. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> well, you know, hey, everybody was out for 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 um for Iron Man Day, so not not. I was about to say, it doesn't matter. Doesn't I know, matter. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> doesn't matter. I, 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 I recognize that. So, but it was just like, okay, yeah. There's, there's, there was no way you're just gonna, gonna, gonna wave that off like that easily. So, mm-hmm. you just kind of gotta go with it at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I noticed that too. It was like, well, this is strangely in- empty for any ER, <laughs> much right. less where he is. So, but yeah, I did like the end of it though, with you know, kind of him ended up back at the. That the mansion and, and what happens there. Also, it was kind of amusing, and, and I, I kind of took took uh, got taken aback. He evokes um, a certain name um, as he was dealing with that uh, situation. He was dealing with. I'm like, wait, so you got that? His you got this name as a as a passcode? 
for 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 bypassing things. I'm like really, like really. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That was just something I kind of I, I kind of bumped on real quick. But um, but yeah, it was a good story. Uh, that being said, uh, but going on to the 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 backup stuff. So the second and third stories, um, the backup stories are pretty much steeped in um stories of old let's say uh one actually is coming from which was the third story is coming from uh uh, coming off of a i I guess it's kind of a retelling of tales of suspense uh number 26 or something right right 26 and the second one who apparently which apparently is going to um end up having a book next year according to the footnote they had uh, there is also something steeped in in uh, Tony's past. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious as to where that's going to go. But that one is also coming off of um, what was that 2010, uh, the 2010 Iron Man book, I believe. Right. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, and having to do with uh, him being in a place and dealing with another uh, adventure. Who I guess, according to that. Um, According to that story, kind of had simpler issues at that time. And now that I think about it, I forgot uh, while I was reading. I was like, "Oh right, this takes place after Original Sin." Mm-hmm. Sometime after Original Sin, I'm like, "Oh, boo!" Oh, right, I that's how far- long I was about to say. That's how long ago origi- Original Sin is or was. Right. So I was like, "Oh man, I I have tried to forget that," with the exception <laughs> of the fact that Silk came out of that. <laughs> well, you know, Silk, you know, Jane, uh, Jane Foster Jane Thor. Foster, yeah, so Jane Foster Thor also, you're right. But outside of that, I was like, okay, that, that whole event was just bad. Yeah. <laughs> I could but, deal so without you, stories that don't revolve around the orb, so. Exactly. But in any event, uh, 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 the last story, you know, is only just a page long, if I recall. Um mm-hmm. You know, teases what's to come, and I immediately thought of Roddy Cat when I read it, because, because it's more true. right. Because it's more, uh, it's more of what we've been dealing with in the Marvel universe proper in Marvel publishing right uh, recently. It's uh, basically uh, what happened in the pages of the newly relaunched Amazing Spider-Man, which has just recently happened in the newly relaunched pages of the Fantastic Four, and now is about to happen in the pages of the newly relaunched Invincible Iron Man. That being, something crazy just happened to the main characters, and it happened off-page, off-screen, and we are led to believe that everyone has turned against the main character... And we will see how long it takes for the creative team to reveal what exactly happened and why everyone is labeling the main character or the main protagonist, you know, basically, you know, uh, 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 you know, just being short of a villain. Right. But we also it seems like there is a specific group if that one character is who I'm thinking it is. Um. Which is kind of curious as to what's going to put Tony up against them or them against Tony, I should say, I guess, uh, if that is who I think it is. And of course, there's another redhead, but, you know, (laughs) 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 but um, there is that. So, yes, I'm curious. It was good to see that there was a shot of the Silver Centurion uh, armor in in one of those panels. I'm like, hmm, 
what's what's gonna go on there um and also apparently is going to deal with um some more of tony's past like the other like the um the the first backup story is apparently going to dive back into or dive into also oh, i've got to mention from the main story i don't know if you noticed that character that was uh talking to patsy oh, of course I was like, we haven't seen that dude in I don't know how long. <laughs> like, that was a weird, that was a pull. But then again, I guess dealing with what she was dealing with and from that um, Iron Man annual or Iron Man and, and like uh, Hellcat annual, I guess it kind of makes sense. But Didn't that character appear there? I don't believe so. I can't remember. If it did, I don't remember it. Um but yeah, this is a old, this is a '90s character that they that I I know I haven't seen in a good while. Yep. So this was pretty much another poll that was like, huh, I wasn't expecting that at all. So that was pretty funny. All right. We do not have long to wait for the new Invincible Iron Man number one. It is due out next month. Yeah. Also, as uh, as Bridget said, the cover looks good. Yes, it does. I think that's um. Wait, is that um? Is that Alex Ross's cover. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. Ross. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's a that's a good looking cover. I didn't pull some of the other ones, but um but that one was Yeah, the main one is Ross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's um Iron Man twenty five, aka um uh, six fifty. Uh I know the new book starts next month, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, next month. So we don't have long to wait for uh, Jerry Duggan and crew's uh, take on on, uh, the Armored Avenger. Yeah, just said it. Yep, 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 yep. So it is coming hot on the heels of this last issue. We will not have long to wait. I just think, you know what's funny? You made me flip back to the cover. It still takes me a while to digest the fact that uh, Iron Man is now depicted, because of the movies, as using his palm repulsors as being like part of being part of his flight system and Mm -hmm. it takes me back to, and this is light spoilers for Wakanda forever where apparently Riri has solved that need because she ain't flying with those. She has other state, other uh, ways of stabilizing her flight. Indeed. You know, as, as a good mech should and would, some would say, um, if you, if you, uh, if, if you follow mecha anime, (laughs) Um, but yes, definitely. Uh, that being said, though, we can push on to um, the next book. I guess if we, we can stay on the Cantwell Cantwell train, if we want to, uh, or you, hit the X book. Do you want to do? Do you want to stay on the Cantwell train? I mean, there's really not much else, not much to say about it. But you know, who can? <laughs> All right. So we will talk about Gold Gob. Well, actually, you know what? There's we had two choices, but we, I don't think any of us read the other one. Either of us read the other one. There are other. There's another Cantwell book out. That Namor oh, book. Uh, that uh, Star Wars, the Star Trek book. No, the Namor book. Oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. No, we. Yeah, neither one of us read. Right, that. neither one of us read. You know, we're a little bit behind on some of the. Um, the limited series that have come out, what we are referring to is Namor, the Submariner Conquered Shores. And the second issue of that series came out this week. So we still have some time to catch up on that and read up on that. But what we was, but what Roddy Cat was uh, referring to is 
uh, number one issue that came out this week. It's the first issue of five. It is Gold Goblin number one. It's written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Lan Medina, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. So if you are not keeping up with Amazing Spider-Man, the current run on Amazing Spider-Man, you will no doubt be flummoxed, confused by the appearance of a character being dubbed or anointed as the Gold Goblin. But if you have been keeping up with the current Amazing Spider-Man run being written by Zeb Wells, then you know that Norman Osborn has essentially found his way into a new costumed, possibly, possibly heroic identity. That still remains to be seen because of what happens in this issue. But this is at least on its surface, a new, uh, you know, uh, it, it seems like uh, Norman has uh, reformed and turned over a new leaf due to uh, storylines outside, you know, pre- prior to uh, Zeb Wells during the, uh, was it the, 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 not the Spencer run, but the, um, was it the Spencer run? Like the tail end of it? I think it was the Spencer Yeah, run, the yeah. tail end of the Spencer run. Before, uh, before all that, the, the craziness with Ben Riley. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is also, well, it's, it's, I guess it's worth noting, but while, uh, during that run, uh, Norman Osborn's sins had been eaten, he still have some demons, um, uh, um, resting on him, let's say. And I guess some of that, may or may not have had something to do with uh, Judgment Day. That part still is really unclear. I mean, we know that that's where that manifested. Right, right. He's wondering if he had a uh, a hallucination or not, and it turns out that he's just not comprehending that that was part of Judgment Day. Right, but at the end of that that, that Spidey Judgment Day book, we saw shades of... Uh, something still being in play, right? Uh, based on that, so right. And basically, him being judged off screen or off page or off right. panel. You know, he's basically being judged off panel, or or at the very least, yeah, kind of hinting towards that, and or going into this. Let's put it that way. So yeah, so he's definitely still have uh, some an event that he put t- took uh, took part in center stage that he's that is still haunting him uh to this uh, going into this uh so he's uh still not well despite the, his sins being taken from him um but i guess you know that, that just because sins have been taken from him doesn't mean your mental state is going to just automatically correct right so, so we will see what happens during the course of this here limited series with that uh, he apparently can't get away from gliders, even though he there was some monologue about that in in the course of this issue. So, you know, once a goblin, always a goblin, with whatever your your shade of color. And apparently, we got a um, not necessarily a resurgence because I don't. I know we've probably seen this character fairly recently. I just don't remember where. But there's a another goblin slash. Uh, there's another goblin adjacent villain that shows up here. Yep. Um uh that Norman deals with 
in a particular fashion. Yep. So <laughs> basically, change your passwords, folks. Change your passwords. <laughs> don't don't use the default password for for things. Maybe maybe go ahead and enter and change your, the 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 default passwords on your uh, right. device that you use. Right. I mean, if you ha- if you insist on using the admin username, please change the password. Exactly. Or else it could very well bite you in the butt. Yep. Just like it did this character. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, yeah. But, yeah, this is also seemingly because the the, 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 the trade dress on design here, uh, or at least the, um, the, the labeling is on here as being a dark web tie-in. Um, or at least it's going to go into according right, to... Right. It's kind of the, a precursor. Oh, right. Definitely. Right. De- you know, what's what's happening in the spider books right now is a precursor to that dark web stuff. So yeah, so this uh, limited series isn't going to uh, not be uh, exuded from that. So whatever that thing may be, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll ride it out. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We will see. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it on Gold Goblin. Those are little, like I said, not not terribly too much to say about that one. Um, I, I'm yeah. Wherever the, whatever this thing is going with with Norman, I suspect I don't know how long is much how much longer it's going to take, and, and whether he's going to go back into old habits, regardless of what happened previously. Right. Yeah. All right. So, what's anyway. next? No, uh, pick a book. Do you want to pick jump into the X corner real quick? Sure. So. I think the one X book that we have to talk about this week is Immortal X-Men number eight. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Michelle Bandini. Colors are by David Curiel and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. So this is a mystique and destiny centered book, but ultimately this is a precursor to all of the, well, Let's just say Mr. Sinister has played a prominent role in the uh, in this era of um, is it is it Fall of X now? Are we in Fall of X or is it still Reign of X? I think we're going into Fall of X, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I'm not sure. I think we may still be in Rainbow. Kind of right. We're kind of transitioning. Right. We're transitioning in between the two. I think we're in the tail end of Reign of X. But ultimately, what the X books have been doing, you know, especially over the course of Judgment Day, especially in the pages of Immortal X Men, they've really played up the fact that uh, uh, Mr. Sinister, Nathaniel Essex is, a, uh, a, a, you know, a wolf in their midst, you know, uh, 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 a, a potential, you know, Judas, you know, amongst the apostles because he is out for self in the most purest way. And ultimately this issue serves as a bit of a history lesson as to how, uh, the Nathaniel Essex character has played over the years and how long, you know, how, how, you know, and, and, and it uh, establishes his longevity over the course of many, many years, uh, you know, running basically parallel to, uh, the lives of mystique and destiny. And, you know, there's reference made to, uh, Essex's, uh, uh, deal with uh, En Sabah Noor, who we know better as Apocalypse. 
Right. All of these uh, characters mentioned have been around a long, long time. Long enough to apparently where one of them, um, let's say, has um, moonlighted, moonlit themselves as um, a famous detective. Yeah, elementary. Yes. Yes. Which was which was amusing thing to find out here. Um, So, yeah, I guess. So I guess the the curious thing for me with this particular issue is. okay, granted, yes, that sets up um, um, uh, a sinister as being which we knew had been around for a long time and uh, Mystique and uh, uh, Destiny also and their run-ins with him, their, their first couple of run-ins with him during a, a particular time frame. Um, it's slightly curious because both uh, Mystique and Destiny are both no longer alive in the current time, if I'm not mistaken. Because they, I don't, as far as I know, because remember during Judgment Day, they got, um, they got wiped, they, they got taken off the board. So I don't think they got resurrected yet. Yet, but that but that brings that up because as you recall, they didn't want to um, they didn't want to resurrect Destiny in the first place. Right. Well, that was something that Moira didn't want, but now she's off the board. She's with Orcus now, so uh, that so may kind of, not. Well, right. Well, yeah, I guess that that's why that's why I'm, other reason why I'm bringing that is like is our is that off the table now that you know uh, now that Moira is kind of off the off the off the board. It seems likely, but we'll see. You know, now that we're a month out from uh, Judgment Day stories, you know, we've had uh, I think most of the books that had tie-ins with Judgment Day have now had one issue or about to have one issue during the course of this month to kind of reset their stories post-Judgment Day crossover. So we'll see how we uh, transition from the pages of Judgment Day and see what lasting effects there are from Judgment Day. Right. I think the the, the one or two other little small notes in this uh, issue is the fact that there is reference to um, Charles's that have uh, been the bane of um, of uh, of Sinister's existence, yep. including the one you know of, right? Um, or at least will be, I, I should say, will be the bane of. Uh, but also, at that time, <laughs> there was a, there was a, there was always a Charles kind of against him, right? Um, right. And also, kind of uh, teasing the well. Not necessarily teasing, but kind of bringing up some um, some machines or the 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 prototypes or the proto uh, comings of uh, some machines that um, that have plagued the X Men, but also uh, a particular name of uh, folks with the the mutant gene that uh, Sinister. uh, caused them that uh, is kind of a play on what we now call them or what we currently call them, but using his name. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, they're, they're trying to tie that into, they're trying to tie that together, which I'm like, okay, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's the thing you could do. But, you know, but we definitely see shades of things that, that, that would kind of, uh, that we know that's already come and probably stuff that we're going to see. Right. Uh, going into the fall of X. Right. It's just interesting. And I think, you know, we can wrap 
the discussion uh, on Immortal X-Men number eight with this, it's interesting to see, you know, obviously there is a sinister based crossover that's about to uh, start. So it's interesting to see that Sinister has gotten so much screen time, so much play in the wake of uh, the Krakoan age, the Hoxpox age going forward uh, because, you know, this was not to me one of the more classic ex-villains. I'll be, I'm being honest, but I think they have done an excellent job of elevating him to become one, obviously with, with with retcons aplenty. Right. Right? Retcons aplenty. If you recall, Ten of Swords was basically uh, a, a, a going away party of sorts for Apocalypse. But uh, they, they, they essentially made Sinister, you know, a new – they really enhanced Sinister's story in, in, you know, over the course of Hoxpox and beyond, obviously by featuring him in um, – um, uh, Hellions, and they really pushed him out, out, you know, from from Hellions, which is kind of like a tertiary book, to the forefront now. Right. Well, not not tertiary. Yeah. Let's say secondary. That was a secondary X book. Yeah, I mean, because I think he featured more prominently. Which um, wait, which one was the one? I guess it was this one, right? Um, no, not this one. No, Hellions. That pretty much featured the Quiet Council more prominently. That's Immortal. Right. But Immortal wasn't one of the initial uh, launch books or one of the early uh, uh, Hoxpox books, right? So, but Hellions came out and, you know, there was a version of Sinister. This is a mild spoiler. There was at least a version of Sinister running around on Hellions. Right. And, yeah, and coming out of that, I think we have another version that's kind of currently running around which is may or may not be the original we don't know i don't know or the original is supposed to be around somewhere but not on Krakor. i don't know it's, exactly it's it's, it's the, the, the the point being is that they're really highlighting the sinister character they're really playing with the character and 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 really um developing stories around the character that you know, heretofore hadn't been, you know, like like I said, it's the strength of you being able to retcon these characters into uh, all sorts of situations, you know, making Sinister that, you know, we, we kind of knew that Sinister was long lived for a while, but I don't mm. think we really understood and they've really done a, a good job of developing this over time. And this is a case of uh, of writers really picking up the ball where other or picking up the baton where other writers left it. When it came to this character and they've really made Sinister really one of the, the highlights of this era of X, uh, of X-Men stories, you know, in terms of being an antagonist slash, you know, not even an anti-hero, but definitely an antagonist slash, you know, reluctant ally. Right. He's come a long way from going after Scott Summers and, and, and all the whole thing in Inferno. Uh, Inferno. Yep. Mm. So, it's, it's it was quite interesting. All right, and the, I was about to say, and the Marauders, and the Marauders, correct. You know, yeah. we're going all the way back to Mutant Massacre. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So, which now that reminds me of something I was going to bring up with a with a Twitter thing that uh, that had come up, but you know, doesn't matter. Um, do we have one more book, or do we uh, do we want to rapid fire? Uh. I mean, like She-Hulk or that Compton America one. Yeah, we'll do She-Hulk real quick. 
Okay. We'll do She-Hulk real quick. All right. So She-Hulk number eight is written by Rainbow Rowell, Rowell with art by, you know, uh, returning uh, artist, returning to Marvel at least, Takeshi Miyazawa. Always happy to see Takeshi, uh, Taku Miyazawa on, uh, on, on a book. Colors are by Rico Renzi, and letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So I think we mentioned this on the last episode, on the previous episode in which we talked about She-Hulk number seven, like, you know, whenever that was last month, that there are strong echoes of the Disney Plus show being... Uh, 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 you know, the strong echoes being heard in the current She-Hulk storyline, specifically echoes of the final few episodes. We find out in this issue, we were spot on. And I'll let Roddy Cat take it from here. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to add, sadly, we were spot on. Because I was <laughs> hoping they were going to at least tweak it just a little bit, and, and they have. Right, but there's definitely some comic book centric issues here, as opposed to what they what they portrayed in on the television show. Right, but outside of that, it's just like, yeah, you. It won't take much from from to, for just like, okay, yeah, nope, that's just that's just that. This is just that. But the crux of the story is that we have a backstory on uh, two. I guess we can now call them antagonists. Um, to She-Hulk, where which is the April and Mark characters uh, that we met a few issues ago and happened to come back uh, the at the end of the last issue, uh, we get their motivations, we get what they're doing, we get their motivations for what they're doing, and um, I, I guess it it pretty much ends with um, you know them. Going to going forward with their plan, I guess, which we uh, they, which they had already started doing, but this is just gonna getting us getting folks up to speed with uh, that plan up until the end of last issue or up until the last issue, I should say. Gotcha. Um, it is there's a couple of little amusing bits in this because there's references to other characters' uh, origin stories as how, in, in other words, how they got their st- uh, powers, right. Also, kind of a diss to them in that, um, in, in that respect, right? And also, we found out that apparently Stark, uh, Tony Stark's labs are, are easier to get into than Reed Richards. I was, I was gonna say, I'm like, that's a low blow, but understandable, right? Which I, I had a little chuckle on that one. I was like, all right, that would that would hurt the ego if you found out. <laughs> Pretty much, but also. But also, given what's going on currently in the pages of Iron Man, not that surprising. Yeah, yeah, or even Iron Cat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even so. Iron Cat made it seem like it wasn't that, you know, wasn't that big a deal uh, to bypass some of the uh, 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 digital security of uh, Stark Industries or Stark Enterprises or whatever they're calling themselves nowadays. Right. But to be fair, in that respect, at least you can safely say that, hey, Felicia's a world-class theater, uh, uh, a thief. Sure. Like, she, Tamara, Blake, and maybe Gambit. Those are probably the, the three people that can, you know, foreseeably get through there with very little problem. Mm-hmm. These two, like, yes, they're they're pretty smart. 
But just, it's like they just bopped. It was like they just bopped the door and went in. It was like I don't know, there's no security here, whatever. But we don't know how that what happened. There was just a, a one-off reference to to that in the story, which was still kind of amusing. Yep. But yeah, outside of that, um, the the whole MCU like um, uh, plot was kind of a was kind of a down note. We were talking before the show about like you know this book had been plotted a few months, probably a good, what, four to six months back, or uh, probably more than that, maybe. Right. And the show, uh, probably a good year before, you know, a year or two before, um, before we actually saw it. So there is possible that there's been some, you know, synergy to it. Exactly. Privy to it, to what's happening there. Or, could be just a weird coincidence. I that seems less likely, but you know we don't we don't have enough information to uh, to uh, to say one way or the other. Right, the it's timing just, is sure too right. The a, timing is way too co- coincidental. You know, convenient right. for this uh, <clears throat> uh, this uh, similar storyline. This you know this right. it's just far too you know the echoes are far too great. They're too strong. Right. But outside of that, still a fairly decent read because we did not <clears throat> we did not know much about these two characters, and now we do. We just know they just popped up, and at the end of the last issue, wanted something from She Hulk, and right. now we know why. Right. So. All right. With that, uh, I guess we can go into rapid fire. Yes, I am going to spin up the minigun in three, two, one. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, first up is Captain America and the Winter Soldier special number one. It's written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with pencils by Kev Walker, inks by J.P. Meyer or Mayer, colors by Casey Diaz and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan VC's Joe Caramagna. So this is literally on the heels of last week's Captain America Sentinel of Liberty issue. And we find ourselves alongside uh, the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes in his new guise as the revolution and, or the new revolution that is, you know, looking for Prince, shout out to Prince, may he rest in peace. And yes. <laughs> you know, we had to come up with a, a music reference at some point, folks. So uh, I wanted to ask Roddy Cat if he thought this was an effective introduction of the members of the outer circle and made you care about them because it did not do enough for me. I understood that they're kind of an Illuminati type group. It's interesting that there is a former, it seems like an exile from Wakanda amongst their number. And it seems like they have been affecting world history and the events of the world essentially since um, the, 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 the days of World War I. So basically the, 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 the bulk of the 20th century and going into the 21st century, this group have been playing a particular game and influencing global events basically through the rise of the Marvel superheroes. So um, I found myself not caring about these characters and I found that to be a little sad. So I'm slightly with you because I felt like this is information we kind of got in the course during the course of the main uh, in, in Captain America, um, um, 
Sentinel of Liberty. Mm-hmm. I believe that's Steve's book, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we got enough information about that for them to not have to kind of do this. I feel like they needed to make us not like these characters. So I felt like this was needed because of the whole setting up of this Cold War storyline. So I think that's where this story was necessary. It's just that I don't think they did a good job of making us not like these characters because they seem like, you know, like cookie cutter Illuminati types. Right. And also, in, in at least in a couple of respects, just seemed like, OK, well, no, this is just stuff people are actually doing <laughs> with, a, with a couple of them. Like, yeah, one of them is using their money to to get what they want. And, you know, with money comes power and this and that other one. OK, we know people. Well, I mean, we know that that is the thing that people are doing. Right. You know, in cases. So, yeah, that's not, not that um, that's not outside of the realm of possibilities for those. To me, it felt like. And I think I said this with uh, with uh, the last uh, Sentinel of Liberty issue. Just seems more like Metal Gear Solid uh, characters, which you know, if you've never played Metal Gear Solid uh, the video games, you you probably would not know uh, what I mean by that. But basically, yeah, the way they the way they talk about them, that just sounds like these are just Metal Gear Solid characters, which I haven't I played guess. that since the fir- since the first or second one. Um, right. Well, if you, play, you know, if you play either one of those, you you the second one pretty much, yeah, definitely. I mean, right. if you, especially if Metal Gear Solid, because it's Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid. But if you play any of the Metal Gear Solids, the the villains kind of sound like they describe them here. Right. And ultimately, I you know, uh, and, and this is this is uh, you know, I'll I'll confess to being one of the more impatient gamers, as which is why I'm I'm not a gamer now. I I, I despised playing Metal Gear Solid sometimes because you had to sneak. And not go in guns blazing, uh, you know that was you know like I I I I kind of succumbed to the need to sneak, but I was just like no I want to just blow some stuff up and, and I'm like well I guess I'm queuing up a different game to 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 to, to scratch that particular itch, but ultimately, uh, you know you know the, the 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 outer circle you know is you know has a is is basically uh, divided into like five points you know making a five pointed star. So, you know, you have the power, the money, the machine, the love, and the revolution, right? That's the, that's the, the, the gist of this group of Illuminati. And, and uh, uh, they're all basically working together but playing against each other. And they're looking to influence world events. And uh, uh, Bucky is taking the place of the old revolution. And now he's, he was looking to basically take down this group. Because they had been manipulating him, you know, as the Winter Soldier since, you know, the 40s. So, right. um, you know, whether or not he's successful is going to be part of what this Cold War story, you know, probably delineates and describes. Right. And the, the, the interesting, well, not interesting, but the funny part about that is that's what the old revolution was set up to do because they go through that in the course of the, in this issue. Mm-hmm. So it was like they pretty much set up all the five points and in, in, in the star points in the middle and they basically like – this is. It felt like it felt like something they would have um, they would have done in the MCU, where it's like, okay, we pretty much got a relatively clear understanding of um, 
of, of what this does, but then they'd go through or who this is or what this is, but then they just gave an arbitrary, no, we're going to put a point on this. This is what this means. I would cite uh, Namor's, uh, the, the, Namor's name uh, as, a, as a recent example of that. Like, we didn't necessarily need that. Right. But here we go. We're just going to go through this long, out, long drawn out um, explanation as to what, as to how we got to that. Sure. And they kind of did that in, in this, which kind of not necessarily rubbed me the wrong way. Just like this was just highly unnecessary. Yeah, I just <laughs> felt I just felt like the necessary part wasn't pulled. They didn't pull it off, which is to make right. me care about these guys as bad, or at least as at least as antagonists. Maybe not bad guys, right? I right. didn't care about them. They're you know they're like like I said, it felt like they were cookie cutter you know Illuminati types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Agreed. I mean, they may develop them over more time, but if you're giving them basically a one shot, I should care more about these characters. You know, like give me a little bit more of a backstory or something for each of mm-hmm. them. You know, you've got right. enough pages in this book to do it. Right. But and therein lies the problem, as we have seen with Spidey side side books. Like, yeah, they do it. And then it ends up still not really making you care a whole lot about it. Better fact, seeming arbitrary and not necessary at, at a certain time. Mm-hmm. It was like, OK, there's this. I'm not going to sit here and say this book wasn't necessary, but it kind of felt like that to me. And just like those those uh, those side issues that we pretty much lamented on. Uh, uh, in in the past, right, right. Year. You know, like we're not exactly disagreeing here, folks. We just have different takes on why we weren't exactly, you know, thrilled with this issue. Next right. up, but it pretty much harkens back to that, you know. And and Agent Seven gets what I'm saying. So right, right. I don't necessarily agree. I think it was necessary. I just don't think they pulled it off. You know, like what right. they were looking to do, it just didn't work. All right. Yeah. Next up is next up for me is Nightwing number ninety eight. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Danielle Di Nicuolo. Uh, colors are by Adriano Lucas and letters are by Wes Abbott. Uh, this is kind of a one and done interlude type story in the current story where, uh, Nightwing and Batgirl are dealing with the fallout from the recent storyline, which found, uh, Nightwing, uh, at least temporarily triumphant against Blockbuster, in Bloodhaven, but now there are some, uh, you know, uh, Nightwing and uh, Batgirl are dealing with some of the, the ramifications from those events, and into this kind of serious, kind of uh, based in you know somewhat real life, you know, dealing with witnesses and witness protection and 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 and, and whatnot. Into this story walks. An imp. Not Mixelplick. Not Batmite. But close. But close. And it's really kind of a one and done type issue where, um, you know, you know, there's just some fun little um, imp type storytelling going on. Now, if you're not familiar with that, you know, you can kind of flip through it. it you know, the, there is a lot of um, humor and fun to be had at Nightwing's expense in this, you know, even from, you know, characters like Batgirl from Barbara Gordon. 
So, question. Sure. Uh, I know when we talked about this in the news uh, a while back, this was there was a slight groaning of the fact that uh, Nightwing has his own bat bat mite. Does this that still that still plays? Yep, that's that's, that's all part of this. Uh, this it's part of this issue. <laughs> it's all Weird. part of this issue. You know, there's some really nice moments in this. It's really fun, but it's definitely kind of like a one and done. Like, oh, okay, uh, uh, you know, this doesn't necessarily push a lot of the story forward, but it's, it, but it does because there is some blockbuster related stuff in here. There is some uh, other, you know, kind of uh, long running story long-running, like, storyline stuff that gets carried forward in this issue. So there is that. But, yeah, lots of, you know, you know, it's not... Once I say it's Nightwing's version of Batmite, it's not hard to figure out what this particular imp is called. So, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's not exactly hard to figure out. Yeah, I think we did when we talked about it in the news, but if, you, if anybody remembers that episode, we talked about it, so... right. All right. Next up is Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings number five. It's written by Gene Luen Yang with art by Marcus To, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Roddy Cat also read this issue, so we uh, I'll give him a chance to chime in. Ultimately, we continue our um, our, our uh, Gene Luen Yang's uh, homage to Game of Death, uh, that being the last... Uh, movie in which Bruce Lee starred, which was released posthumously, which was completed and released posthumously. And, uh, you know, the, the, the number of fighters, uh, seeking to gain the 10 rings, uh, gets whittled down further. We have a little bit of resolution when it comes to Leiko Wu's involvement in the story. And we also have the origin of the 10 rings told in the story. And I will let Roddy Cat take it from there. So, yeah, um, there's another set of Ten Rings that uh, classically in Marvel history that um, that is have alien origins, let's say. These are not those rings. Right, right. Those I mean, rings, those rings are over in Iron Man right now, or at least in Iron Man adjacent stories. Correct. Yes, and you know we forgot to talk about that because they did mention it in in, uh, in Iron Man twenty five, but just kind of in passing. Well, yeah, I was about to say we we mentioned it obliquely, trying not to spoil it because at the end of the day we talked about how like a lot of the characters, you know, that had come in over the last you know over the course of the you know like we kind of caught up with a lot of characters that appeared in the book over the course of the twenty five issues. So that's how right. I that's how I addressed it without like completely going in there. But yeah, there is at least a check in. In that regard, on those rings in Iron Man, but uh, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, the only thing um, um, it, that is curious, like I said, uh, th- those th- the origins of those uh, those separate sets of rings are are you know are, are separate in the fact that uh, I mean are are together in the fact that they ha- they both have alien origins and. There's a curious thing to me because there is a character that is mentioned in the uh, telling of the origin story uh, that I'm sure is uh, is based uh, in actual uh, uh, myth. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I just uh, got an email. I'm just like, ugh. 
Someone forgot uh, to change something in it, but it's all right. Go ahead. Gotcha. That uh, DC also has has used frequently in the, I mean, not frequently, recently in a book that I'm going to talk about actually um, when I get to my books. So that's kind of curious. Um, outside of that, I don't know. Uh, like, sure, the, the the origins of the rings that that was a good thing to see, but at the same time, I'm like, so. <laughs> that that's kind of how I felt about it, you know. Like this whole tournament thing is is all right, and them throwing in the the origin of the Ten Rings is, was necessary, I, I suppose. But at the same time, it's like okay, so is at the end of this where is this going? And it also had to do with something that's that happened before this tournament um, happened, and you know uh, went down. So I don't know. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. I'm sorry, folks. I got a little distracted uh, by a a faulty email I just received. Last but not least for the books that I think Roddy Cat and I have in common, I don't know if you have this on your list as duo number six. No, because it was – no. Right. So uh, um, Last month, but – Right. So we did not get around to it. Right. So duo number six, this is a DC milestone book. It's written by Greg Pak with pencils by Koi Pham uh, or Pham. Uh, inks by Scott Hanna and colors by Chris Sotomayor. I'll just say that uh, this issue wraps with, um, you know, a cliffhanger. You know, there is a to be continued. The uh, the duality of the uh, uh, protagonist characters kind of made me look at this issue with. Uh, you know, there, there's a bit of a, a shimmering effect that Koi Fam and the uh, the colorist uh, uses, uh, Chris Sotomayor uses to make the uh, 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 the, du- the 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 dual nature of the uh, protagonist. Uh, you know how how you know the the portrayal of the dual nature of the protagonist. You know uh, to make that uh, look feasible on the page made me kind of stare at it a little bit. So I'm, I'm really not trying to spoil it because I know that Roddy Cat's going to get around to reading this, but ultimately, um, uh, I thought this is, you know, this was a nice, uh, a nice little story in the, in the DC milestone corner of the universe, whether or not we have more of these stories remains to be seen. And that's it for me. Right, because I believe this is the last issue yes. of that uh, series. Yeah. Yes, this is the final issue of this miniseries. So the fact that you said it is not a uh, cliffhanger is kind of curious. Well, not but... cliffhanger, but it's like, is this the end? As opposed to like a true cliffhanger. Oh, okay, gotcha. Like they could bring this up, bring this up somewhere else. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Um, for myself... Pardon me, excuse me. We're going to go, um, pardon me, as I get back to the current week's books. Gambit number five, which actually is also the last issue of the uh, this miniseries. Uh, it's written by Chris Claremont, uh, art with art by Sid Koshian, uh, color artist uh, um, Espen Grindigern, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So this is one of those um, this Gambit book was one of those this takes place in between uh, issues of an old storybook 
of an old uh, of an old story that you would probably know about. In this case, it is um, after the introduction of Gambit in X. Uh, was it Uncanny X Men two forty something like that? I don't remember the numbers, but yeah, Uncanny X Men. This is uh, yeah. this is um, <clears throat> pre Extinction Agenda. Yes, uh, while but while um, uh, uh, b- 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 while Storm was still a child, exactly pre Extinction Agenda, because we all know that gets uh, resolved during Extinction Agenda. Correct. So this is uh, as as the end of this book says, like this is the adventures they pretty much got into in between a certain uh, issue, which I believe the the issue in question is like two sixty seven, which which was I think right after. Uh, Gambit got introduced uh, and met uh, Storm. Uh, so yes, so this whole adventure kind of took place in between that, and it seems like at the end of this, potential for another one of these miniseries could happen. Because um, just like Agent uh, Seventy said with Duo, I was like, yeah, this is um, while this is the end of this. this Another one of these could happen. Same, a similar situation happened with uh, the Maestro books in a, in a fashion, except for the fact that you know the, the Maestro books happened uh, before is a, basically a prequel to uh, to um, the Future Imperfect, whereas this is this is you know a new old story set in between uh, some issues. Mm-hmm. An issue or two, so there is that. Uh, it was a fun book. We did get introduced to a couple of new characters uh, during the course of this uh, series that I kind of hope will return. But at the end of this issue, are let's just say they are not the same as the way they came into this story without giving too much away. Um, but the crux of this issue has to do with uh, some bounty hunters, a little Cheney co- uh, concert, and um, uh, some romantic dealings uh, between Gambit and one of the new characters. And although the interesting part about this, which I, I recognize is in service of kind of steering this back towards where... Um, the X-Men books kind of take back in and of course they kind of have to like, well, okay, yeah, this, this is the thing that happened, but we kind of got to bring it back, uh, bring it back to the, to what we know the story is going to be. So in that respect, they kind of make the end of the story being more about, um, Aurora without actually going into any particular, um, things that happen in the story. For the most part, now that it's over, you know, if you if you like Gambit and the, the adventures of Gambit and little 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 Aurora, um, check this out. I suspect there might be another one coming at some point soon, um, but uh, uh, but I don't know that for certain. But it just seems like they set it up the fact that there could very well be more to come. Uh, next up, we have Black Adam number six of twelve. Mm-hmm. Whip boop. Um, and I'm just going to go right off of my notes with this. <laughs> and you'll understand why when, when you when you hear about the first uh, line. So the plot and script is by Christopher Priest. Pencils by Eber Ferreira. Uh, inks by Matt Herms. And letters by Willie Schubert. Um, Bat, 
Batman v Super. I mean, Black Adam. That's pretty much the crux of this issue. And 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 if and the slip up of me saying Bat, Batman v Superman was intentional, if uh, because of the fact of if you remember that movie, and the interaction between those two the, those two characters slightly plays off a little bit like this in, in a sense, or at least starts off like it was going to, but um, it kind of diverts into them staring at each other and pretty much talking at each other for the, for the majority of the book. There is some fisticuffs to be had, so don't worry about that. And of course, just like that movie, the, the, uh, as the, one of the characters says, uh, the, level, the playing field was level in a way that I'm still not sure how this happened but we also come to find out there at the end of this issue that the reason this happened and who's behind the reason this happened may not have anything to do with the person who start stroke up who who struck the blow let's just say um and i'm still kind of curious as to when that happened so i'm like do i need to go back and read the last issue again to see if if i missed something uh, out of this because at a certain point the, the characters end up being somewhere else and i'm like how does how does this happen which gets explained but i'm sitting here like well when did that happen uh but yeah we find out somebody else is um is um behind some things we don't know why and this is a character we've seen come, pop up in this uh in this black adam book before kind of briefly but we still don't know why. Because there's a couple of things that's going on in this book, and I'm not sure how it's all, or if it's all going to tie together. So, but it's also, this whole story also takes place before Justice League 75, if I've said that before, because I know I have. And that's part of the reason why some of the things get mentioned here um, and seem like coming out of this issue may be part of the motivation uh, of why things have happened. So yeah, so this takes place before the death of the Justice League. This place takes place before Black Adam. Well, when Black Adam joins the Justice League, which was like right before that issue, and before the current crisis, which is still going on now, which we talked about last week. Um, next issue to what talk about is actually dealing with one of the characters, Batman V. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> Batman Superman World's Finest. Not there's no V in it. Uh, number nine. So this is written by um, boop, Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, and letters by Steve Wands. Um, so the things of note in this in this issue is that Batman takes uh, the Boy Thunder, who is Superman's previously not known sidekick, uh, and this is also being set in a previous time, uh, not current because clearly this character is not around, but maybe it'll show that maybe they will show up. But anyway, um, Batman takes, uh, the boy thunder out on training mission, uh, that, um, while the mission goes off, doesn't necessarily go well in one respect, but then the rest of the, uh, the, um, issue is pretty much people getting advice from other people, uh, in the case of Superman getting advice from the Flash about having a sidekick, the Teen Titans kind of taking the Boy Thunder uh, under his wing on a mission and kind of trying to help him teach, you know, try to teach him the where it works before something happens on a mission and Superman kind of has to kind of take uh, Boy Thunder to the side because of 
you know, some issues that he's still kind of wrestling with. But uh, if you're watching the video version and seeing a certain clown uh, on the cover, yes, that person does end up uh, uh, being involved in this story. In fact, this uh, the um, this character is involved with a, another character that has um, come in in previous issues, and they are working together. Uh, and uh, if you know this character's history with sidekicks then you know nothing good will come of well nothing good could potentially come of um <laughs> this character being involved but we shall see what happens uh the next issue uh next up for myself is the last book for me actually and that is um murder world avengers number one of i believe four well so this is one of those Hey, this is a, a one shot that's going to go into another one shot shot that um, that deals with other groups. That so we've seen those before, where it's like, okay, Miss Marvel, uh, you know, was um, was teamed up with the X Men in one issue, and then Moon Knight the next. So this is kind of one of those until whatever plot gets uh, resolved. This is one of those and starts off with the Avengers, although the Avengers. And this story don't get used the way you think they would in a story that features that supposedly features the uh, Avengers. Um, so to get the creative team out of the way, the writer is Jim Jim Zub, art by Jethro Morales, colors by Matt Miller, and uh, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So the name Murder World has been around since I want to say the seventies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, am I am I close or am arcade? I right about that? Or did they, I want to say arcade it. has been. I want to say arcade has been around even longer, like sixties, like late sixties. Late sixties. Yeah, like, I want to yeah. say arcade was around for the original X Men run, but I am going to check while you go ahead. So that being said, the idea of Murder World <clears throat> uh, predates the movie Battle Royale predates any battle royales that you may know of I'm, and talking about that one particular game that I won't, won't speak of and or Squid Game and the reason why I mention that is because uh, this is pretty much that I so, apologize, pardon me hold okay, that thought up? Arcade does not appear actually until Marvel Team Up number 65 in October 1977. So it's much okay. later than what I thought. It's actually during the uh, arcade essentially appears during the era of uh, Dark Phoenix. Gotcha. Okay. Or, you know, so post, I'm, post Dark I'm, Phoenix, actually. Right. Okay. So I was, I was close. I, you know, so, but nevertheless, still predates those things I, I, I mentioned <laughs> by a good run. But nevertheless, um, the crux of the story is we meet a main character who apparently is a, you know, let's say he's a YouTuber um, and does the YouTube things, but has a particular interest in the murder world. And uh, lo and behold, gets invited to murder world under a pretense. But um, shock upon shockers <laughs> doesn't necessarily go the way they think it does. Uh, and the Avengers are involved, 
and we find out something um we find out something about the main character which is kind of a surprise but not necessarily a surprise considering um folks that arcade is used to dealing with initially let's just say um but there is a twist at the end which i wasn't expecting uh that is going to go into the next book, which I can't remember who's involved with the um, with the with the next book. I would have to leave, but it's definitely we're, we're moving away from the Avengers um, with the next with the next book. Supposedly there was a documentary. I don't think that's going to happen um, uh, during the course of this. But Arcade's back. And he's doing his murder world thing, and uh, there are some folks that are going to be in. There are definitely some folks involved. And some some folks get dealt with during the course of this issue in that respect, in a more in a more murder world slash battle royale fashion. So you can tell that you know while while arcade and murder world predates uh, predates the things mentioned, they do definitely take some cues from said uh, said material for certain. Um. It looks like next up is Murder World Spider-Man, and then there's Murder World Wolverine and Murder World Moon Knight. And then it looks like there's going to be a last book called Murder World Game Over. So buckle up. I'm sure we will talk about most, if not all of those, when that uh, when they come up. And I'm sure they're going to come up quick. They usually like to get those books out in pretty rapid fashion. Um. But nevertheless, it's an interesting start if you if you like the battle royale type situation. Uh oh. Everything okay? Um Oh, I'm tripping. Never mind. I thought for a minute there I thought our, our um our cameras were gone, but I just remembered uh what I'm seeing on the live feed is not live. So moving right along, that's pretty much it for me. And uh, we can now go to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week! We do have one Click of the Week from uh, from Dirt, which is, uh, I believe it's Junkyard Joe. I'm looking for the cover right now. I think I did pull it. Junkyard Joe number two. Who's that published by? Um, Let's see. Image. Oh, that's an image book this week. Okay. Check, as a matter of fact, yeah. Junkyard Joe number two. I see to it. Be specific. Yeah. I see it. Wow. Cover A is by Gary Frank. Mm-hmm. He didn't he give any notes on it, but he just said that was it. So um, I didn't really look into the book myself to see what it's about. But um, there is that. We didn't get anything from Tim, so... That's okay, but he did post something on Instagram. Oh, did he? Yeah, this uh, uh, today. I happened to see it. Okay. What, what, about yeah. Nightwing. It was about uh, Nightwing. Yeah. So, okay. but uh, I don't know. I won't say that that was his click of the week, but I sure. will say that is a candidate for uh, yours truly because mm. this week was filled with decent reads, but nothing that really jumped out at me. Um, yeah. you know, I will say that Nightwing number 98 is a candidate. I will say that as, you know, despite the, the strong echoes, you know, so much so that it rhymed, 
uh, with the with the Disney Plus show, She-Hulk number eight, I thought was a pretty strong issue because it really, you know, did a lot of uh, backstory, you know, uh, you know, like laying laying out of the backstory of these two characters that we don't seen in cameo appearances up until now. Um, and I did, I definitely dug uh, seeing uh, Takeshi Miyazawa's art again on a Marvel book. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will also say that, uh, you know, despite my misgivings over, um, you know, that it was kind of like a, a, a quiet ending to his run, I did like the main story in Iron Man number 25. So I, those would be my three candidates. I'll let Roddy Cat uh, talk about his while I uh, continue to uh, internally debate and uh, figure it out. Yes. Well, so for myself, I think um, I echo the sentiments on uh, Iron Man 25. I will say that I am slightly more curious as to the Duggan run that is forthcoming than I was um, before now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I'm still not really, you know, you know it, it is still a, a, a tepid curiosity uh, on, on that, um, especially with what I've read of, um, you know, what, the, what they're saying about it. Uh, Immortal X-Men was kind of fun in its own way. Because you know, because of the whole uh, sinister and uh, mystique and uh, destiny thing, um, I'm I'm not sure if I'm ready to put it as a candidate, but I enjoyed reading it. Um, she Hulk definitely is an, as another candidate as well, um, despite <laughs> that you know, this, despite the similarities in the MCU uh, show, so much so that it rhymed. Exactly. So, um, I feel like I need to go back and read Murder World Avengers because I kind of, I, I kind of blew through it. But everything I said about it pretty much still stands, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's just, it's just arcade doing Murder World. I'm doing doing arcade things, right? He's doing arcade yeah, things, exactly, so. exactly. Which is you know. All right, so <laughs> let me give you. I'll give you a break. I will say that my click of the week this week is Nightwing number ninety eight. Huh. Okay. Kind of settled down on that one, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun read despite the fact that, you know, like I said, it was a almost like a one-off, but it definitely did a little bit to move the story along, the main story along, and it was just kind of like an offbeaten, you know, uh, imp-based story. So. But, you know, I think I think of, of the uh, other two candidates that I had, I think Iron Man number 25 would have come in second. Right, and to be fair, when was the last time we've had an M-based story with a, <laughs> you know, with, with the DC character? I mean, we don't read that much DC, and that is true. at the end of the day, you know, uh, the Superman books have, actually, I don't know where Mixelplick last appeared, so, you know, I, I always assume that it's a Superman book. Actually, I feel like we had a, that might have been one of those, like, um, Side stories like one of those uh, Elseworlds books, though, that Mitzelplick recently showed up. Right. Or Kimpleskim. Yes, exactly. Um, so, for myself, just to kind of to get this going, um, hmm. 
Gambit, She-Hulk, or Iron Man? Um... Nope, wrong one. Black Adam was also kind of interesting for what it was, but also it was like, okay, we've we've kind of seen it before, but the the kind of stuff behind why it's happening is, is kind of a curiosity. So mm-hmm. I think actually, you know what? I'm going to go with Immortal X-Men number eight for, I don't know, no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Like I said, they're, they're definitely building towards uh, the sinister crossover. Yes, indeed. So we will see what the, what's going to go with that and, you know, in the X part of the corner. And with that, folks, we are going to move on to the news. But first, uh, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko. Fun at first sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we get into the cinematic news as we do about this time. Um, Andor season two was inspired by a mystery summer blockbuster, apparently. But Tony Gilroy hasn't said which one, <laughs> according to this article. So with you mean it's that, not Star Wars? I'm kidding. <laughs> nice. Um, oh wait, actually, oh no, this 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 talks about other other um, Tony Gilroy projects, including Rogue One. But uh, speaking to Script Magazine, Real Gilroy revealed that a recent Hollywood film. And more specifically, that film's trailer inspired him and his team in prep for Andor Season 2. Quote, uh, we're doing something in Season 2 that we're prepping that's very complicated, uh, Gilroy said. And there's a movie that just came out over the summer. In fact, it came out as a trailer. And then um, and everybody on this thing was buzzing like, oh, my God, look at that. Look how they did this thing. And it looks and it's like. It goes like a virus to the stunt department and the visual effects department is like, hey, man, how do you do this? And then God did. God, did you see it? And it's a pass around thing. Um, Again. Oh, apparently he wasn't even asked what film it was. But according to this article, um, the article's writer mentions Michael Bates Ambulance, which I totally forgot was a movie that came out this summer. Um. But they don't know. And I guess another possibility is Top Gun Maverick. But that, I don't know. This is according to what the article uh, article's writer thinks. Part of me was thinking, wait, they couldn't be talking about that Winnie the Pooh thing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they couldn't possibly be talking about that thing. 
But I don't know. That's uh, we'll see. But um, like I said, the, the the rest of the article ends up being speculation on what the movies were. Next up. Next up. So this is a tease from uh, Andor star Adria Arjona uh, for the possible future of her character Bix. So um, the show still has not revealed what's next for Bix, obviously, because we're at the penultimate episode. Arjona recently talked about her character's arc with StarWars.com and teased that things will never be the same for the character. So, uh, you know, we've talked about this on the show that what has happened to Bix in her personal life has completely, you know, uh, will will have ramifications for her. And ultimately, um, she is going to go through some real changes moving forward into the second season. I would say that's. Put it in slightly mildly, given what we saw. Right. <laughs> but yes. Um, Star Wars and Studio Ghibli announced Star Wars Disney Plus short, which is out already for your perusal, by the way. I guess I should have put this closer to um, the anime corner, but I did not. Because um, that's pretty much where this belongs. Anyway, so there was a tease last, uh, last week after, probably a day or two after the show, that Studio Ghibli and uh, Star Wars was doing something together, and then it dropped oh. like the next day. I didn't know that. Okay. The next a couple of days, actually. Yeah, it, it didn't, you know. Um, yeah, because this, this, yeah, matter of fact, yeah, because this article is from the 11th, and I believe it, it uh, dropped on the 12th. Oh, it's on the Plus. Okay, it's on Disney Plus, folks. It is. It's titled Zen, Grogu, and the Dust Bunnies. Oh, excuse me, Grogu and Dust Bunnies. And um, if that doesn't tell you pretty much everything you need to know, I don't know what to tell you. So yeah, Studio Ghibli uh, doing the doing Studio Ghibli things with with uh, Baby Yoda. I have not watched it yet, and um, same. I um. I probably will. This is, the funny thing is, is this would probably be the first Studio Ghibli thing that I've ever watched. Really? That's slightly untrue because I have started, I think I started watching Princess Mononoke, but I never actually finished. Gotcha, so, but gotcha. Something all the way through. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I definitely have more to watch. I can tell you that, you know, you know, be, you know, based on my uh, anime journey that I've, uh, uh, described here on the Comic Book Chronicles, I have watched My Neighbor Totoro and Princess Mononoke. I will probably hit Spirited Away next. I just haven't gotten around to it. Hmm. Fair enough. All righty. Say again? Is, I said, I hope you have your tissues, but I can't remember if that's the one that's the, that's the sad one. I don't know. Either way, Alrighty. they're all probably dead. Next up, so uh, Sean Levy, uh, Levy, or Levy, the director of Deadpool 3 and executive producer of Netflix's Stranger Things, is in talks to develop and direct an upcoming Star Wars movie as reported by Deadline. It's going to be a while, though, because he still has to complete the third Deadpool movie, which we've talked about will bring Hugh Jackman into the Marvel fold once again before he, before Levy goes off to a galaxy far, far away. So something funny about this. Uh, recently, I was watching um, 
I believe it was the Rift Tracks or MST3K uh, Twitch channel. I think it was Rift Tracks. Sean Levy, or Levi, however you pronounce his name, was in an old movie called uh, Zombie Nightmare, which uh, they did, you know, one of those two properties did a riff on. Um, I did not know that until I saw the credits of it. So I was like, wait, so this dude went on, I don't think he was in there like prominently, but he was, he was definitely in there. It was old, uh, matter of fact, I think Adam West was also in the movie. Um, and a couple other people. Now that I think about it, rest in peace, Adam Rest. But um, um, I was like, okay, so that guy went on to do Stranger Things, Deadpool, and now he's about to do a, a Star Wars movie. That was some funny, funny mess when I saw that, though. Uh, Zombie Nightmare, not a good movie, but I guess that shouldn't be surprised given it's on. It was on Rift Tracks. Next up, though, uh, Indiana Jones uh, TV, uh, excuse me, Disney Plus series is in development, apparently. Uh, Variety brings word of the potential TV show, revealing that the two companies have brought up ideas and meetings with writers. Since the idea seems to largely be there, the record at this point is unclear if the show is going to be a prequel to the feature films, a la Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Uh, set somewhere else in the franchise's narrative, or perhaps even following a totally different character altogether instead of uh, Henry Indiana Jones Jr. We, we named a dog Indiana. Um, says here, one seems to seem certain um, that about the potential Indiana Jones TV sh- uh, series is that Harrison Ford is probably ha- won't have anything to do with it. Um... Boy, there are some typos in this article. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, that's that's my that that's my frustration on the email that I reviewed that that, that made me uh, uh, react the way I did while Roddy Cat was uh, reading a particular story or talking about. I think it was reviewing a book. That you know, mm-hmm. seeing seeing errors, I'm just like that would have never. I wish they had just asked me to send this email. You know, it's one of those things. I'm like morons. So. You know, it's better for you that you didn't because why would you put yourself through correcting somebody else's stuff? But I mean, you wouldn't be correcting somebody else's name. Respect, I would have just you know? done it. Exactly. I would have just taken care of it correctly. Right. You know, shots yeah, fired, is- folks. I'm sorry, folks. Shots fired at people who, you know, may end up catching some real shots from me at some point. All right. I'm, I'm seriously like venting right now. I'm venting right now, folks. I'm sorry. Yes, and 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 as he also well knows that legally anything he just said is is can't be used against him. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yes, I think um I've saw I've seen elsewhere that it was mentioned that they were not going to basically recast in Indiana Jones. I can't remember if it was for this or for. Any upcoming movie that's going to happen? Yeah, I think it's movie. for the. I think I think that that particular story came out with regards to the sequel that's currently filming. Right. So um, that's still could potentially play into what happens here or not. We don't know. So and again, like this article says, everything here is just kind of speculation and up in the air at this point. We don't know if it's actually a thing that's going to happen. Wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. If it did, though. Mm-hmm. Next up, a slew of Marvel characters are heading to the small screen after MGM Plus, the linear network formerly known as Epics, 
and Amazon Prime Video ordered a suite of live-action series from Sony Pictures Television. This is reported by Deadline. So the Spider-Man spinoff series Silk Spider Society, which has been in the works for some time, will be the first show to emerge from the pact with The Walking Dead's Angela Kang set as showrunner. The deal is a culmination of a complex web of rights. Oh, I see what you did there, Deadline. That meant the series will have to debut first on a linear network, in this case MGM+, Plus, which is set to be relaunched with its new name in January 2023. Uh, MGM+, Plus will have the first window in the U.S., and the series will then air on Amazon's Prime Video ser- uh, streaming services, streaming service, that is, in the United States. Internationally, the series will also air on the Amazon streamer in 240 countries and territories. Remember, of important note, Sony controls over 900 Marvel characters as part of an arrangement that predates Disney's acquisition of Marvel. So, um, you know, there's only a deal in place for the MCU version of Spidey. Otherwise, hundred that's impossible. Oh no. That's a dragon ball (laughs) reference folks that I finally understand. But yes. it's it's it 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 boggles my mind that there's so many characters that Sony will be able to completely botch. Yeah, I feel like I feel like some of those are going to go back to Marvel at some point because they there's no way they're going to be able to get things put anything off the ground for all of them. Like clearly they're having luck with the with the spider, uh, you know, with their the more main spider right uh, characters. So, and even some not so main, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, a lot of that's gotta, gotta re- go back to Marvel at some point, whoever they still have. I hope, uh, I hope that's the, a lot of characters. That's an entire corner of the Marvel universe that Sony still can monetize somehow. And probably coming off the spider corner at that. Well, I guess between, let me see, do they have, no, it's Fantastic Four was Fox. Right. So they pretty much got the spider license and everything, and everything coming off of that. Ish. Right, that's a that's a lot. Think about how many characters and villains that is, folks. Mm-hmm. You know, All we've right. seen a chunk uh, of them. We've definitely seen a chunk of them in the MCU so far, right? We've seen a chunk of them, but there's just so many more. Yep. Thunderbolt will develop the relationship between Yelena and the Red Guardian. Um, it's all about family. Um, <laughs> says he that <clears throat> although he has not received a script for the uh, MCU project, David Harbour spoke to io9 while on press tour for his new holiday movie, Violet Night. I kind of want to add Deadly Night, but that's, a, that's another old horror movie of a similar name. Um, also, you should watch Chopping Mall. It's not a Christmas movie, but it's funny. I, well, no, I think it is. Regardless, um, he shared that the arc of the movie and how it functions. Uh, oh, he knows the arc of the movie and how it functions. And it's super cool. According to this quote, he says, um, he says that, uh, what director Jake Schreier wants to do with Florence's character is very interesting. And how I factor into it, uh, into how we develop our relationship is very interesting. He says, um, their troubled father daughter dynamic was teased back in black weather. If you know, but Harbor hints that it will be explored even further in uh, this movie that's, you know, kind of ragtag. 
they're not really a suicide squad, but kind of close, even though I think Thunderbolts predates uh, Suicide Squad. So that's that. Next up. So uh, in the latest in uh, the censoring of uh, popular movies in parts of the world that are much more on the repressive side, um, the Hollywood Reporter has learned that uh, there were a small number of edits made to Black Panther Wakanda Forever in order for the movie to be released in uh, Kuwait which amounted to just over one minute of cuts in total, but it included the 10-second scene in which Aneka, and this is a spoiler, displays some affection to a same-sex partner. Uh, there's also, um, at the request of censors, a scene uh, was removed in which a woman gives birth and a reference to uh, a child being born who is a god to a certain people. Yes, and the line that it was associated with that, yes. Right. So, Inter- I, was about to, I would just add that, interestingly, according to this article, Kuwait is the only territory to have insisted on cuts in this, er- you know, in this area. Apparently, um, right. uh, uh, in other countries, it was released uncut in the, you know, in the Middle East. So that's an interesting – yeah, it's unedited in Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Oman, Bahrain, and Qatar. Interesting. Is that how you pronounce that? What? Is it Qatar or Qatar? I've heard it both. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Or I've also heard it pronounced actually another way, gutter. Like the Q is a G. So. Got Bad Anesia, folks. Um, (laughs) It's not as bad as Bad Anesia, folks. Bad Anesia. So that's, that's just ill, yo. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to take that. I'm sorry to take that all the way to the streets, but that's just ill. So the, the the I guess the the interesting part about this, if there was a, uh, anything in that, the cut that was made to the uh, the the to the scene between an, an, Aniki and I, Anika and then Ayo was, for the most part, innocuous. I mean, it's not really that much. It's not like they kissed or anything, you know. Just kind of right went off sentence, you know. So that's really weird. But then again, there are places that are, as Agent said. Kind of repressive, so. right? Right, and there are stronger implications, and that's the thing. You know, it's well, it's it's too, far yeah. more implied than obvious. So, yeah, you know. But anywho, uh, craziness in the world still. Yep. Angel Bassett warned that uh, this is all, another spoiler, by the way. Um, uh, an Angela Bassett warned Wakanda Forever director that her character's twist could, uh, quote, unsept fans. In fact, I was going to pull up a, um, I was going to put up a, um, an audio clip of something that, um, that would have gone nicely with this. But it says here that um, when I won't necessarily spoil it, but uh, if, you can, if you're on the video version, you'll probably see it. Bassett told IndieWire that when she learned um, what happens to her character in the sequel, she talked with uh, director Ryan Coogler about why it might be a regrettable twist. Quote, um, I objected. I was like, Ryan, what are you doing? Why? You'll rule the day. And that made me think of, uh, <laughs> of um, this movie Real Genius, because those are characters like, rule the day? Who talks like that? Um, but anyway, you will rule 
the whatever happens, uh, people are going to be so upset. And they were, because mm-hmm. I was. Um, she said, uh, he was like, Angela, I know, I know, but look, to die is not to really die in this world. It doesn't really have to mean that. Which is also true. In the world of comics, um, you know, death is not necessarily the end. As this movie has said, this movie and the last movie said uh, multiple times, actually, now that I think about it. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's partially true. I mean, that is that's actually true, with the exception of, you know, Bill Foster and folks. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> and Uncle Ben. That's and pretty Uncle much ben. it. That's pretty much yeah. it. Um, but about a possibly returning in future Marvel movies, she added all kinds of crazy things happen. So, right. There you go. Next up. Next up, stunt performer Kalina Rutherford, Rutherford showed off the first version of the Ironheart armor she wore in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. These are mild spoilers. There are multiple versions of the Ironheart armor in Wakanda Forever, and it makes a ton of sense. It mirrors the journey that both her character in the comics took and, you know, Tony Stark takes in the MCU. So um, that's, you know, that's the bottom line. Feel free to read this article for more. Rutherford uh, gives props to Dominique Thorne for taking the time to do the stunt work that she did. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Riri's show. Um, I, I They should probably give her a movie, but we'll we'll see if that out from the show um but it's also cool like yeah a lot of uh practical work a lot more practical work was done in this movie than you think i think something similar was actually said about andor in that there's there's a lot of things that were done practically that could have been done excuse me by cgi but they pretty much took the time and effort to do so that's pretty cool um next up though wakanda forever's director made it a point to distinguish namor from aquaman you would think this would be, um, well, you would think that would be a, a notable reason. I mean, not a notable reason, but you would think that would be like, a, well, no duh, you want to separate the characters, which in a way it kind of is, um, even though they slightly kept a couple of things, you you might say. But nevertheless, um, in an interview with Uproxx, Kugler, Ryan Kugler explained how he and the crew went to great lengths to ensure that villain antihero Namor uh, was distinguishable from the distinguished competitions. I love when they use that. Uh, resident underwater superhero Arthur Curry, aka Aquaman. He said that having Aquaman uh, be such a well-known figure actually helped shape uh, Namor's character for the film, allowing them to highlight the things that made Marvel's first mutant uh, unique, such as the wings on his ankles, which Aquaman didn't have anyway, so that <laughs> that's irrelevant um, quote I do think that having Aquaman out in the world in film language and being successful in the marketplace and probably and being played by Jason Moore no less um, he, I'm saying that probably I'm not, not him but um, I think it was a great bit of indirect guidance for us to lean into the things that made Namor different from Aquaman Kugler explained just out of respect of the audience, because a lot of people saw that movie. A lot of people love that movie. Um, it was our task to obviously put our heads down and blinders on and make our movie, but also have a sense of awareness of what the marketplace might want to respond to and might be interested in. Which makes sense, yeah, because you know if they had... I'm sure people even still probably was like, that's like, he's just Aquaman. I'm pretty sure there were some people who wouldn't know any better probably still said that. 
So, but they did to to their credit do some things differently to to distinguish the two. So, next up. All righty, next up, Aquaman's Jason Momoa, speaking of underwater characters, teases an upcoming dream project in the DC Universe. So he's already getting excited about what he's describing as this dream come true. Speaking to Entertainment Tonight Canada, the Arthur Curry actor was prompted to discuss his thoughts on a potential Justice League reunion following Henry Cavill's return as Superman. Spoiler alert, that happened in Black Adam, folks. So uh, he basically says with Peter Safran and James Gunn at the helm of DC, he's very excited about that and a lot of things. Yeah, I might as well take the next one because it's related. Fine. One second. <laughs> he clarifies apparently his recent dream project comments in, you know, in, 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 uh, in uh, the following days. So let's see here. Uh, he mentioned blah, 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 blah. Right. So he had mentioned on November 6th, uh, that he had, uh, that he got some big news. And then on November 8th, he talked about the new DC leadership, as I just mentioned. However, in a recent, in, in a more recent interview with Cinema Blend, Momoa explained that he has actually teased two separate projects instead of one massive project. Okay. Yeah, and there was also a part where um, I think he mentioned something about working with a maestro or something like that, and people took that to be Zack Snyder, which I don't know why you would even say such a thing. But then again, there are those dumbasses. And I think there was some rumblings of a logo, logo, Lobo project um, during that whole thing, but I don't know if that's going to be a thing that happens. Regardless... James Gunn and Peter Safran's uh, DC Universe Bible is nearly complete, according to this article. So, uh, according to David Zaslav, actually, um, who confirmed that Gunn and Safran were coming to a, coming close to an end, quote unquote, of drafting their roadmap for the cinematic universes featured during a discussion panel at RBC two, uh, 2022 Global TIMNT, not to be confused with the Teenage Ninja Turtles conference. Um, he also hinted that the document will represent a more unified approach to the DCU's overarching continuity. Uh, quote unquote, uh, I think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot of growth and opportunity around DC. Uh, there's not going to be four Batmans. And yes, he did say Batmans, not Batmen, according to this article. So, um, and I guess he's referencing that the, the whole Affleck. Patterson, whatever, all the stuff. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, You know what? There's really nothing much else to say about this article. Next up. Next up. So, fans of the classic animated series, The Adventures of Batman, are finally getting a remastered Blu-ray release. So, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment recently announced that a two-disc set, The Adventures of Batman, the complete collection, is on the way. It includes all 34 episodes of the show, which was produced by Filmation and premiered on September 14th, 1968. So, um, let's see here. Looking for information on the cost. 
The Adventures of Batman, the complete collection, hits shelves on February 28th, 2023, and will carry a suggested retail price of $29.98. So I, I'm trying to remember if I ever watched any uh, of these, but there are some names involved in this that I definitely remember from Super Friends playing uh, their characters, well, playing music characters, except for Ted Knight, who was... Um, who is the uh, quote unquote the narrator? Right. He's the meanwhile at the Hall of Justice. Um, but yeah, Casey Kasem is Robin. Uh, Ted Knight is the Commission Gordon. Larry Storch is the Joker, which is funny to me. It, I'm sure a lot of people out there don't know who Larry Storch is. Don't worry about it. Look him up. The name um, rings a bell, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what what character or, or, or what roles he had. F Troop, you would have to be of a certain vintage or somebody like me who watched a lot of TV <laughs> to know. Who <laughs> I was, was about to say that does not ring a bell for me. Yeah. Anywho, next up. Uh, John Constantine confirmed to exist in Titans continuity, apparently. And this is spoilers for season three, episode three called Jinx. Neither one of us were watching it nor probably cared that much about it. But nevertheless, the character of Jinx name drops um, John Constantine while talking with Nightwing. So, Constantine is in Titans Universe. There you go. Uh, we don't know if um, Matt Ryan is going to show up as Titan in, in the Titans as the character or somebody else, or that was just an, a mention that's probably never going to go anywhere. Next up. So, uh, filmmaker Francis Lawrence is set to return and helm... Uh, the sequel, Constantine 2, which is in which is in development at Warner Brothers, which will feature Keanu Reeves returning as Constantine. The first film was R-rated. However, Lawrence wants to go even further into adult territory this time around. In a recent interview with The Wrap, Lawrence said that he felt the first picture was more PG-13 than anything, and that is something he hopes to change with his follow-up. Okay, good luck. Yeah, really. Um, I still have yet to see that movie. Same. Anyway. Yeah. It's out there. I know it's still out there on HBO Max, so I'm pretty, uh, maybe one of these days. Um, Mortal Kombat to star, Mortal Kombat 2 star, Louis Tan hypes up the way bigger sequel. <sighs> Boy. Uh, Tan teased the sequel's expanded scope in an interview with comicbook.com. Quote, uh, we're full steam ahead. Uh, Mortal Kombat 2, he said... Uh, we now and oh, excuse me, and now we have a Mortal Kombat co-creator Ed Boon with us as well. They should have gotten him in the first place. I'm going to put so we got the stamp of approval from the legend himself. Uh, the sequel is just going to be absolutely insane, way bigger, uh, according to Tan. Uh, Tan is going to reprise his role as Cole Young, who is a character that is not. A Mortal Kombat character, but somebody they made for this particular movie for some strange reason. Anywho, that's it. Next oh, up. <laughs> Next up. According to Deadline, Ted Lasso star Brett Goldstein is the latest actor to join Sony Pictures' upcoming animated Garfield film, which features uh, Chris Pratt as the voice of uh, Garfield. 
So he is the second Ted Lasso star to join the project after Hannah Waddingham, who was cast in the film along with Nicholas Holt, Cecily Strong, and Ving Rhames in August 2022. Interestingly, the article that we have here is reporting what Deadline reports, but it actually whitewashes the name of another Saturday Night Live performer, Bowen Yang, who has also been cast in this movie. But the article here does not have the name, his last name spelled correctly. Okay. You see it? Uh, no, I didn't actually. Well, he's no longer Bowen Yang, but Bowen Lang. Oh. Ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch. Okay. And that explains why you said whitewashing. <laughs> exactly, folks. I would not uh. go that far. Unless it was that bad a mistake. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know why this is necessary. We need, we need Chris Plant in less things, not more things. Mm. But, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. Um, where? Oh, good. Yeah, all um, of a sudden he's becoming like an accomplished voice actor. Like he's in Mario and wait, now he's going to be in Garfield. Accomplished may be a little strong. He but you know what I mean? Like accomplished like, as in like multiple credits. Uh, sure. But, you know, but yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I'm, it makes no sense. Anyway, um, just to get that taste out of our mouths, where to watch a Chala Brown Thanksgiving this year? Uh, y'all re- may remember sometime within the last year or two, we talked about the fact that uh, the Charlie Brown, uh, all the peanut stuff uh, was bought by Apple and now it's uh, languishing over on Apple TV. Well, as opposed to being on PBS and or, you know, network television. It, well, yeah, it, traditionally it, it, it was on network television. Exactly. Which folks, there used to be only three channels instead of hundreds, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, uh, says here that basically um, you can. Oh, it says here that Apple agreed for to um, to a. Oh wait, no, that was from twenty twenty. So yeah, it's on Apple TV Plus with the subscription. Uh, they're going to do all that stuff, other stuff, but it seems as though. Apple TV Plus will provide a special free window for non-subscribers to stream a Charlie Brown uh, Thanksgiving without a subscription. Uh, you can watch for free from November 23rd through November 27th on Apple TV Plus for free. So, or you do what I did and buy the Blu-ray and or DVD set, which I just did, which I'm kind of upset about because it was 18 bucks and um, I should have jumped on it then. But nevertheless, still an investment, I, and I still have them. But uh, this article goes into all the other uh, Peanuts-related specials that are now on um, that are on Apple TV Plus. So there you go. It's not on PBS, not on um, not on uh, network TV, just Apple Plus. But but Apple TV Plus. But at least they let you watch it. I don't know if they're going to do that with the Christmas special, which is probably the you know the one that you really really would want to to see right that and the great pumpkin but uh i would say that they usually they have done that in the recent past is that they've allowed non-subscribers to log into apple tv plus and watch it for a small window 
uh, during like the actual holiday for the last several years. So, gotcha. All right. Next up. Next up so, uh, oh no, not Anime Kona. Sorry. No, Dragon Age Absolution, the upcoming animated series based on the Dragon Age role-playing video games, is officially slated to hit Netflix this December. The streaming giant has announced that Dragon Age Absolution will premiere on Friday, December 9th. Okay. Uh, Netflix also revealed a new trailer for the series as well as new pieces of key art. I know some Dragon Age fans. I don't know how they feel about this, but I'm pretty sure they're excited. Now we're just going to go ahead and get into Anime Corner. All righty. Yes, because despite what Anime House wants to tell you, I believe Avatar is an anime. I I will say that. Avatar The Last Airbender animated movie coming to theaters in 2025. Um, per Variety, the untitled movie will receive a wide release in cinemas on October 10th, 2025, uh, the first of several previously announced Last Airbender projects. The film will focus on Avatar Aang and his friends embarking on a new adventure. Uh, we're going on an adventure! Uh, the movie comes courtesy of Nickelodeon Animation, not surprisingly, Paramount Animation and Avatar Studios. Uh, the recently formed Coca company co-led by last avatar creators michael dimartino and brian uh Konetsko. next up kaiju number eight will be making its official anime adaptation debut sometime in the near future but the series has gotten a cool live action makeover with a special new promo for the series so let's see here um all right so you can watch this on youtube mm-hmm which I've I've seen some stuff like I know um, that new Gundam series put out a whole uh, put out a whole pre, uh, prelude episode on YouTube, but it's also on Crunchyroll too. So you know, um, but actually, yeah, I need to start watching that. Uh, Berserk's original anime reveals uh, Netflix release date. So the first uh, Berserk anime arrived on the small screen back in 1997. Eight years following the manga's premiere uh, in the pages of Young Animal, not to be confused with the DC imprint, which I don't think is still around anymore now to think about it. But uh, mostly taking the opportunity to cover the quote Golden Age arc, Golden Age arc, aka the story of how Guts came to join the Band of Hawks, uh, and all that goodness. You berserk people uh, probably know all this. I've never seen it. The uh, Berserk's original anime series will arrive on Netflix on December 1st with all 25 episodes set to be available on the streaming service. Um, the first television series ended on quite the cliffhanger with the anime adaptation somewhat being used as a vehicle to help in pushing the manga as vehicle uh, as the viewers might uh, want to see where Guts and company end up following the devastating e- events of the eclipse. So, and it does say here that uh, there's not uh, a new Berserk uh, anime uh, adaptation confirmed. But apparently there is a countdown clock that appeared on the anime's, uh, the franchise's official website, leaving fans to wonder if a new project will be announced in around 28 days of this, well, according to this article, which was uh, about a week old. Uh, so shave, some, shave about a week off of that. Uh, we'll see. 
Next up. So this year's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade will feature the return of the Super Saiyajin Blue Goku Balloon uh, as part of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And Toei Animation has confirmed that the balloon will loom large again in helping to celebrate Thanksgiving this year. So that'll be later next week. Mm -hmm. Next Thursday, to be precise. Exactly. My Hero Academia six, uh, Season 6 kicks off new Izuki, Izuku excuse me, and Bakugo tag team. Izuku. Izuku, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I have not watched it. I um, have, damn it! <laughs> so, um, oh, Midori. Okay, Midori. Gotcha. Anywho... Uh, so yeah, those two characters are going to uh, tag team against uh, Tamura Shigaraki. Uh, let's see. While the heroes initially gotten to jump on the paranormal liberation front, and not the liberation paranormal front, which um, that's a that's an old Monty Python reference. Anyway, uh, <laughs> when they pick, kicked off their raid in the first episodes of the season, things quickly turned for the worse when uh, Shigaraki was awakened. And revealed that he took on uh, much of all for one's former powers. I won't go too far, much farther, just in case people need to catch up. I won't remember this whenever I watch it, so I'm good. Uh, so yeah, basically, yeah, there's a fight going on. Uh, thank you, Benji. That's uh, that's nice of you. I need to put some more stuff on that channel. Uh, Benji Games Two said to follow my YouTube channel. Next up, though. Next. Up, One Piece hypes Jimbei with his first straw hat win. Okay. So this is an anime that I have, I am intimidated uh, <laughs> uh, to, you know, I, I'm just intimidated by the, the sheer length of this anime and I, I, I hesitate to jump in. I wanted to give everyone a quick note that I actually sped through Trigun over the last couple of weeks. So I have now crossed off Trigun off of my uh, list of anime. And it was enjoyable. It definitely has a weird twist towards the end. So getting back to the story, One Piece has been showing off how Jinbei gets, oh, gels with the rest of the Straw Hat crew as they fight their way across Onigashima. And the newest episode of the anime showed off Jinbei's first real victory as a member of the crew in style. Okay. Yeah, of note, uh, Agent Seventy did not uh, bother with uh, with uh, Johnny Young Young Bosch's uh, dub of Vash the Stampede and crew uh, in his watching. Ah, it's Vash the Stampede. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, there is one last thing. I think there is a movie that is uh, stream. I think it's available on Hulu. So I'm going to try to watch that uh, probably over the weekend and then jump in. You know, like I'm kind of um, I'm kind of uh, in between uh, anime series. So I think I'm going to watch that movie just to kind of wrap up any uh, uh, Trigun stuff and uh, figure out what's next. Mm, until the next Trigun series comes, which is not too far from now. Right. But my understanding is that's like a reimagining. It is, yes. Yeah, so you know, you know, I would much, I would rather that it be a continuation. But this anime is literally almost twenty years old, so yeah. it's a bit, you know, it's a bit hard to ask for something, you know, for like an actual continuation. It does make sense that they might reboot it 
for a new audience. But uh, but yeah, you know, I guess I'll try to watch some some Ghibli stuff and uh, and and uh, this uh, um, Trigon movie. But anyway, going on, moving on. It'll move. Not bad. Uh, Bleach Thousand Year Blood War Episode Six will feature animation all stars. So uh, news went live um, when this article went live uh, on Bleach's website in Japan who revealed details about uh, episode six, uh, the episode six crew, excuse me. It turns out that Stereo Perot brought on some industry legends to do the animation. Um, and it begins with director, uh, Hiroyuki Yamashita. So let's see. Da, 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 da. Yamashita has been in the industry for decades. Some of y'all out there probably know who he is. Uh, the artist did key animation for Naruto Shippuden, uh, both on television and film, also worked on Burrito, uh, the Burrito movie, and also, oh, yeah, okay, we don't, I don't care about Burrito. Um, and there's some other people, uh, including Kyukawa, uh, Tomoka Hayashi, Daisuke Sumagari, Kenji Imazumi, uh, and Yu Natsuki. When episode six, they all are involved with that episode. Um, I've heard some things about the the Blood War, and I'm kind of looking forward to catching up. Uh, this article goes into what, what that episode probably going to be about, and but I won't. Next up, okay. So uh, this is, you know, this this is uh, the manga corner. So I'm going to play a quickie transition. <laughs> And because we are currently keeping up with the tales, the earlier tales of Spy X Family, uh, this includes some spoilers for future storylines. Spy X Family adds a major twist, a major twist, to Anya's current hostage situation in the manga. So apparently uh, Anya Forger has found herself caught in a major hostage crisis and the newest chapter of the manga series has introduced the surprising wrinkle to the situation following an an intense cliffhanger from the previous chapter. Okay. So for anyone keeping up with it, uh, you know, enjoy it. But a lot of us are just getting into the anime and have not yet picked up on the manga, which is currently up to chapter 71. Yeah. And some of us are actually staying away from the manga because we just want to enjoy the anime. So, and not to be spoiled on what happens uh, that has already happened in the manga. But uh, that being said, I think both of us uh, can safely say that we are caught up on Spy X Family and Chainsaw Man. Because I think that's the one thing we've been uh, both watching. Right, right. I've been watching, I've been watching My Hero, but I've actually, I'm up to date on the manga in My Hero. So I know what's going to happen. And in this case, I'm actually interested to see how this incredible action is going to be portrayed in the animation. And I've not been disappointed. I've been very, very impressed at how they have portrayed some of the action sequences in the manga in the anime adaptation. Yeah. And Chainsaw Man's kind of bonkers and I like it. It's insane, (laughs) folks. Oh, boy. All right. We're going to transition again because that's the only manga thing we have to the comic book corner news. DC teases the return of the next Dr. Manhattan, The Watchmen. 
So this is spoiler for the new Golden Age number one, which is on sale, which I came out last week or something. I don't know. Um, the new Golden Age not only launches new titles for the Justice Society of America and Stargirl. Oh, it does the Stargirl book that came out this week also. But teases the return of DC's new Dr. Manhattan from Doomsday Clock, The Watchmen. Uh, written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by various artists for a moment, uh, the one-shot visits the Watchmen universe as well as the home of the Doomsday Clocks, uh, Mime and Marionette. The two villains are seen raising their newborn baby, uh, the, the Cribs Mobile's uh, letters above her almost spelling out the word Watchmen. After a glimpse of nostalgia and Babastus, uh, outside Osmian Diaz's uh, base in Antarctica, a panel shows the forehead of Clark Drayberg as he talks with his adopted sister Sally, saying the people are asking them and that, quote-unquote, it's our generation's turn now. I don't know what any of that means because I have not been keeping up with any of that mess. Next up. All right, so we've got a preview of Flash number seven, the Flash number 788, which is actually out this week. Um mm-hmm. And uh, just to give you a quick idea of what happened in this issue, former Iron Heights penitentiary penitentiary warden Gregory Wolf uh, is seen settling into his role as Central City's new mayor. And the preview shows Wolf basically deputizing uh, uh, members of the Flash Rogues Gallery, Captain Cold, Heat Wave, Mirror Master, Weather Wizard, and the Trickster – uh, their freedom, so long as they work for Wolf as deputized servants of Central City. Hello, Thunderbolts. Also, I, Suicide I, Squad. The, well, there is that also, but also we're just reminding us, like, wow, didn't they just do this in Devil's Reign? For by the the competition, just did this in Devil's Reign. Yep, pretty much. So, uh, next up, though. Yeah, there we go. DCU's uh, Flash may have seriously jeopardized his secret identity. This is spoilers for The Flash, Flash's Man Alive, number three, which is, uh, I think it probably came out last week also. Uh, it's the, the book basically centered around the the, um, the the DCU Flash, the one we don't care about. Uh, it's written by Kenny Porter and illustrated by Jason Howard, and it's the final issue of the three-part prequel comic set before DC Studios' upcoming The Flash movie. Uh, it goes into what the issue is about, but I will not... So, but basically, it sounds like he might have. He basically put his secret identity out that somebody else can find. Sounds like it could easily come out and find. But it's whatever. People are going to find out anyway. Next up. All righty. Um, the latest superhero to join Teen Justice in the pages of Multiversity Teen Justice number six on sale now from DC Comics. So these are spoilers. The latest superhero is a female variant of Guy Gardner. <laughs> Gotta love it, folks. Named Gigi. Huh. Which reminds me of an a episode of Leverage I just saw. But never, nevertheless. Um, is that good? Leverage is pretty good. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. Okay. I haven't heard it's much like, about it, so I'm going to look it up. Yeah, it's kind of campy. Uh, uh, but it, but that's the... That's or it gets kind of campy at, at times, but yeah, I enjoy it. Um, you can see Hawkman in there <laughs> if you so care. But um, anywho, Multiverses Season 2 adding Marvin the Martian, uh, New Game of Thrones map, and then some other stuff. Uh, 
uh, by the way. And apparently Marvin and Martin is going to have them his uh, Illudium Clue 36 explosive space modulator uh, with him. So as I said on Twitter, I might have to try this game out just for that. Um, outside of that, yeah, it's a Game of Thrones map and some stuff with the Battle Pass and other blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I can smack you with that game. Next up. So Back to the Future stars Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd are dropping a new line of clo- of a, a new clothing line inspired by their timeless sci-fi classic, uh, Back to the Future, which was released in 1985, folks. <laughs> Boy, I'm too old for this shit. So, um, Christopher Lloyd announced the Back to the Future inspired clothing line on his Twitter account while it lasts, posting a photo of himself and Fox embracing while both wearing shirts inspired by the movie. Uh, let's see. The clothes were designed by Lloyd and Fox. So you can see, oh, so it, so they also teased it on, they also teased the clothing on their Instagram pages a few days before the release. I'm looking to see if there's any more information. I guess, you know, just stay tuned to their social media and you'll find out more. Yep. It was, it was a nice picture of them two together. Um, the upcoming miniature skirmish game, uh, Star Wars Shatterpoint, will allow you to create dream teams, team-ups. So, Star Wars is getting a new miniatures game from Asmodee and Atomic Mass Games. Uh, the aforementioned Star Wars Shatterpoint is going to be released in June 2023. Uh, the article goes into what you will be doing in this game. If you have played a miniatures game, you probably already kind of have some sort of an idea. I have not. Um, but yeah, apparently ah- Ahsoka and Darth Maul and Ventress and Anakin and... Um, uh, Bo-Katan, and you can kind of make matchups all willy and nilly. So, cool. Next up. All right, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The movie gets a custom Xbox Series X. So, in celebration of the release of the movie, um, there is, uh, they had a, a, a limited Xbox X custom package, you know, like a decorate, uh, Xbox X, uh, decorated with a custom decoration to, uh, help celebrate the release of, uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever. And it is, uh, it was a giveaway. I think it, uh, I think you're still able to enter now. Yes. Uh, it ends on the, the first of uh, December. So you still got time. Good luck folks. To- yep. So, if you're a gamer, you're probably already following the Xbox uh, Twitter account for as long as Twitter's going to be around. So, you know, get in while you can. Right. That joke is going to stay with us at least through the weekend. Yes, indeed. Um, next up, though. Uh, uh, new Marvel Legends 5-pack is loaded with obscure X-Men characters. And I'd say, yeah, that's that's accurate. So, uh, first revealed at the recent PulseCon 2022 and MCM London Comics Con events, the figures in the box set include Random, Strife, Vertigo, Reaver Pretty Boy, uh, the Reaver called Pretty Boy, and Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, strange competition, according to this article, to be sure, and uh, they expect that many collectors will buy it for a couple of figures and sell off the rest. Yep, that's, that sounds about right. I mean, if you are a real X fan, 
and you're looking to complete certain teams and lineups, then there are some, you know, important characters here because they have been putting out uh, members of the Reavers slowly but surely. You know, Bonebreaker was a -a Build-A-Figure recently. So you Mm -hmm. definitely need a pretty boy to help complete the set of Reavers you know, which already, which we we already have, we already have Lady Deathstrike. We have um, uh, 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 the guy with the skull. If you get more of him, you can get Cole. You can basically build Cole, Macon, and Reese. Um, uh, Bonebreaker is a, a build a figure, and um, uh, you know you need Pretty Boy. Oh, Skullbuster, I think his name was. So. But, uh, yeah, you definitely need Pretty Boy. And if you're looking to build Marauders, like the OG Marauders, you definitely want Vertigo. Sure. You know, we're still short a uh, number of members of the Marauders, but she's definitely a figure that you want to add. And uh, you know what? If you're looking to build something with Cable, uh, you know, around Executioner Song, you want to get that Strife. Yeah, sure. What he said. Next up. Oh wait, um, 124.99 for the set with a release date of April to June 2023. If you are so interested. Yep. Next up. Next up. So a fan favorite Ghost Rider set to return in a new Marvel series. So Polygon announced Cosmic Ghost Rider, a new series from writer Stephanie Phillips and artist Wonka Ball, which features Frank Castle's twisted spirit of vengeance from an alternate timeline that has not only the powers of Ghost Rider, but also the power cosmic. So um, interesting that this character is making a return, but it makes sense. Uh, The character definitely had some uh, popularity when he was introduced. I guess, yeah, sure. She sure. was in a lot of places for a while. Mm-hmm. You're right. I, yeah, you're right. Sure. Um, you know what? I'm going to skip this next one because we already talked about um, Gold Goblin number one. So, uh, discovered the magic of Wanda Maximoff in the Scarlet Witch number one trailer. I saw this trailer. It was actually pretty, pretty good um, for a trailer for a comic book, which still gets me. So, written by Steve Orlando and drawn by artist Sarah Pacelli, excuse me, Scarlet Witch will find Wanda embracing a new heroic journey to help those in need and who who need her the most. Excuse me, what's going on? <clears throat> to do so, she will use her unmatched magical abilities to conjure up an enchanted door that appears only to those who have no one else in the world to turn to. Uh, as the art, as the trailer said, if your need is great and your hope is gone, there you will meet the Scarlet Witch. So, uh, the trailer is attached to this article if you want to go check it out for yourself. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's um, it also showcases a few people that's going to show up in the book. Uh, one or two, one definitely not a surprise. The other two, maybe one of them might be kind of a surprise. <laughs> maybe actually both of them might be kind of a surprise. Uh, so yeah. Next up. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Scarlet Witch number four, number one, will hit the stands on January the 4th. Next up. So I love how early we get these announcements from the Free Comic Book Day Committee. They have revealed the 13 gold sponsor comic book titles. And, uh, you know, this is well in advance of Free Comic Book Day coming up uh, next year on May 6th, 2023. So, um, 
You know, there are going to be 13 gold sponsor titles from some of the industry's top publishers, including Aftershock Comics, Archie Comics, Boom Studios, Dark Horse Comics, Dynamite Entertainment, Graphics, IDW Publishing, Image Comics, Kodansha Comics, or Kodansha Comics, Marvel Comics, Titan Comics, and Viz Media. So uh, this article contains the, uh, the, the, the actual titles and the cover art. So uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but it's always interesting to see what these companies are choosing to promote on free comic book day. Yeah, but if you are watching the video version, you just saw me scrolling through them to where you can see them for yourselves. Um, yeah. Last story for the night, James Tinian IV heading up uh, Dark Horse's latest creator-owned imprint. So, um, let's see, James Tinian IV is making a move to Dark Horse to be the new home of his latest work. After leaving his exclusive, I was wondering about that, his exclusive contract with uh, DC Comics to put out new material on the newsletter service Substack, Tinian is releasing both new and old work under his new line of comics. Uh, see, he announced last year that he would be leaving his exclusive contract to focus on creative form work. Um, like, uh, see, most of which is on Substance, uh, Substack, excuse me. Uh, and it gives the names of the stuff that he put out there. And uh, does this imprint have a name? I don't see. Oh, the Tiny Onion Studios, I guess that looks like. Is this what it is? So, okay, yeah. There you go. Um, that's good for him, I guess. You know, hey, shout out to creator on stuff. <laughs> and that folks Absolutely. Is, yeah, uh, and that, folks, is the end of the news. Uh, you got one more ad read from me? Our last ad read of the night, folks, for you and for me is Wink, our personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to toronté, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, Go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. All righty, folks. Um, We have come to the end of another show. Uh... Again, friendly reminder, next week it's Thanksgiving here in the U.S. of A. Uh, we will not be recording on Thursday night. More likely, it'll be like Friday or Saturday. But uh, stay tuned to if if Twitter's still around. <laughs> uh, if Twitter's still around, stay tuned to Twitter or Instagram. Or we can't Instagram. help it, folks. It's like, a, you know, it's a running joke throughout the it's internet. Right. 
Yeah, really. It's just all too crazy um, these days and times. But um, but regardless, um, our social medias, um, such as they are, are out there and will be out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, watch out. You know, we may be posting it to like our Instagram stories. So you never know. Just get out there and check those out. So Roddy Cat's going to go through the plugs. Yes, uh, you can find me, myself, Roddy Cat, on Twitter at Roddy Cat for the time being. Uh, you can also find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. You can also find me at Roddy Cat on Instagram on, you know. Uh, Agent underscore 70 uh, on Twitter for the time being and Instagram. Definitely also. still on Instagram. Um, PC underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com is on the umbrella sites they're in. And Tim DOGG98 on Twitter, uh, CB caps, excuse me, CB cron on Twitter, um, for the time being, uh, the click nation also on Twitter, that's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N, um, all one word. Uh, but you can also find Tim at uh, comicbook.com under the name Timothy Adams uh, where he's over there writing his face off. Go, go, uh, go, go click that man's works, read his stuff. He's, he does some good stuff. We're not just saying that because he's associated with us. So, oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> there's the approval bell right there. Uh, you can also find the, this podcast on your podcast browser, place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And a slight bit of reversal because I, I skipped over it. You can find this podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. And, of course, normally you can find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on YouTube.com slash TheClickNation and Twitch.tv slash ComicBookChronicles. So, yeah, we will definitely see you next week, just not on Thursday. Um, Like I said, stay tuned. We'll we'll, we'll put that out there somewhere. Yes, have a happy Thanksgiving, folks. Yes. You know, yes. rem- remember to be thankful. Yeah, remember to be thankful for what you have. Remember the people uh, who you know who, who don't have uh, as much as you do uh, in the coming holiday season. And uh, like I said, just be thankful for 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 uh, the loved ones and your health and all the the important things. Right, and if you're in a place else that um, that doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, hey, you know what? Have a good big plate of food anyway, and have you know. And, and also still continue to be thankful. Yep. Uh, this has been the Combo This has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One right arm over left. Wakanda forever!